Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the Edelman. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Happy weekend, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's me. I am Guy Flaming, and I would like to take a second and welcome you to this week's episode. We'll get to the question of the day. This will be the fourth and final of the WHL uh, division You know, questions where we're asking you to predict the finish and the standings for each WHL division. So the last one to get to is the East Division. So tell me your predicted finish for the six teams in the WHL's East Division. In case you need a refresher, the uh, six teams that play in that division alphabetically are Brandon, Moose Jaw, Prince Albert, Regina, Saskatoon, and now Winnipeg, having relocated from uh, Kootenai, BC, now in the East Division in the Manitoba capital. Those are the six teams. I want to know one through six, the way they're going to finish, and uh, which of them will make the playoffs. Will uh, we only see three from the East? Will we see four? Could we even see five from the East Division get in this year? You let me know on Twitter. At TPS underscore Guy is where you can find me on uh, the Twitter machine. If you're not following me already and you're a listener to the show, uh, I suggest you follow me on Twitter because it's basically the show. Let's get to some news and notes around the uh, well around the Canadian Hockey League for now. Uh, the big news in the Ontario Hockey League, how about Warren Reichel, now the head coach of the Barry Colts, uh, replacing... Dale Howarchuk, who's uh, taking a leave of absence. We wish all the best for uh, Dale Howarchuk. But it'll be weird to see Warren Reichel back on a bench after uh, being the owner of the Windsor Spitfires for so long. A lot of success that uh, he had with that franchise, uh, now back on the bench of the Barry Colts. Number of OHL players away at NHL camps. Uh, some of the, the, the teams have several players. Flint's got nine players at NHL camps. How about the Guelph Storm? With 13, the Kitchener Rangers have 9. I think the London Knights might lead the CHL in that category. They have 14 players away right now. Niagara has 8. Oshawa has 8. The Ottawa 67s with 11 players. Saginaw with 9. The Peets have 8 guys gone as well. So lots of players uh, well represented across uh, the OHL. In fact, I'm not sure if there's a team in the OHL who doesn't have a player away at camp. I don't see a nice convenient list on the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League's website about uh, players away at NHL camps, but there are 106 WHLers at uh, NHL camps, and I know there are three teams with nine players away. That's the most in the dub. Uh, Edmonton, Spokane, and uh, Prince Albert have nine players away. 
and a number have uh, seven uh, players who are off to NHL camps. So good showing across the Western Hockey League as well. Uh, just to update you on uh, the scoring race in the WHL, the scoring race. Are you really racing in the preseason? I'm not sure, but uh, Logan Stankoven uh, with 10 points in four games uh, has got Kamloops Blazers fans excited. In fact, the top three scorers in the uh, WHL's preseason right now, all from the Blazers, as Oren Santazo and Zane Franklin have uh, nine points each, four goals, five assists. And then you have uh, another rookie, Eric Alari, with the Moose Jaw Warriors, who's bumped his totals up to nine now uh, in five games for the Warriors. Other rookies making an impact. Michael Horan with Seattle has eight points. Connor Roulette, great name, has seven points in four games for the T-Birds. Another T-Bird, Brendan Williamson, has six points. So does Lucas Siona with the Seattle. Matt Seminoff, again with the Kamloops Blazers, has six points. I get the sense there's been a lot of high-scoring games involving Kamloops and Seattle. Few moves around the WHL here recently as uh, Bailey Birkin has resurfaced. He's been listed and signed by the uh, Moose Jaw Warriors. So they had a vacancy for a goaltender. You heard Alan Miller on the show last week saying he's in the market for a goalie. Well, he got one, a veteran netminder, and didn't have to give up anything to do it. So a uh, smart move by Alan Miller and the Warriors to uh, bring in Bailey Birkin. Carson Sass, who was traded from Red Deer to Tri-City in the offseason, He's now been moved from the Americans to the Kelowna Rockets uh, for a 10th-round pick. Victoria sends Remy Aquilon to uh, Prince Albert for a 7th-rounder. Jacob Haroff, now a member of the Victoria Royals. He goes from Red Deer to the Royals for uh, a pair of draft picks, a 2nd-rounder in 20, a 6th-rounder in 2021, and a uh, conditional 5th-rounder the following year. Red Deer's been busy. They uh, moved Alex Morozov, also... uh, out of the conference, he goes to Seattle for a fifth rounder. That's a nice pickup for the Seattle Thunderbirds. Morozov uh, could be uh, a good fit there. And the Medicine Hat Tigers, this one surprised me a little bit. They bring in Evan Fredette, the uh, goaltender who was in Portland last year. Didn't uh, I didn't expect Medicine Hat to be in the market for a uh, backup goaltender, but uh, they did grab one in Fredette. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show today. One other news item I wanted to pass on, well, a couple of things. The... U-Sports schedule gets going here later this month. I believe on the 27th is when the regular season starts for U-Sport hockey. I'm going to try to keep closer tabs on uh, that this year than uh, we have in the past. We've talked to a lot of players who are in U-Sport, but uh, mostly a lot of times we're reflecting on their their time in the WHL or in the CHL and uh, how they use their scholarship package and and whatnot. But as uh, we're seeing more and more players uh, getting pro contracts, having gone through Canadian University of Hockey, guys like Zach Sawchenko was a starting netminder for the Golden Bears. Luke Philp was uh, one of the top players in uh, in the country when it comes to Canadian University Hockey. He was signed as well. As that trend is growing, and the premise of the Pipeline show is to uh, put the spotlight on future NHL players, uh, and I think we need to start paying more attention to you sport hockey so uh, we'll keep tabs on what's happening especially in canada west as uh you know i'm out in alberta so it's obviously a lot closer to home but there are former whlers that go across the country and will play out on the east coast some guys who end up in ontario so i'm going to make a conscious effort to uh, spend more time uh, looking at you sport hockey this year and south of the border we talk ncaa uh, all the time on a very regular basis, and uh, the, I guess the big news item right now is that it's been confirmed now both 
hockey programs in Alaska will play this year. So uh, both the Seawolves in Anchorage and the uh, Alaska Nanooks in uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, they're good to go this year. Now, what happens after this year? Will they combine the two teams and make one program? Don't know. I mean, there's still the possibility they'll both get axed. Uh, We'll see. But for this year, all is a status quo when it comes to the Nanooks and the Seawolves. Also, when it comes to the Frozen Four in the next, uh, well, after the next couple of years, from the 2023, 24, 25, and 26 years, those four, the bid process has started. Uh, and some of the cities that have been announced as uh, front runners, this came out a couple of weeks ago, College Hockey News had it, and I missed it. Uh, Tampa, they've hosted before, and uh, it was very well received. Uh, Las Vegas is uh, on the map as one of the front runners. How about St. Louis? It's been there in the past. Uh, I think it was back in uh, 2006, 2007, I believe, actually. What about going to New York at Madison Square Garden? That's listed in the uh, story. So is Milwaukee, Chicago, Seattle. And I think that would make a lot of sense because uh, by then the NHL franchise will be up and running. So you have the new NHL building. And as much as there is already hockey interest there because of the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds and the Everett Silvertips and the Spokane Chiefs and the Tri-City Americans. Having the NHL team there will even draw more attention to uh, hockey and uh, having a Frozen Four there could be really worthwhile. Then there's Glendale, Arizona, Columbus, Dallas, Kansas City, Nashville, Washington, D.C. They're all mentioned uh, in the story as potential Frozen Four uh, host cities uh, in those four years from 2023 to 2026. I was looking at uh, Pro Stock Hockey earlier today. They have a bunch of new equipment in, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs stuff, uh, Winnipeg Jets, Philadelphia Flyers as well. So I was looking at some of the apparel that they have uh, being a Philadelphia Flyers fan. they got some really cool-looking stuff. You should check that out as well. ProStockHockey.com is the uh, website to go to. It's your one-stop shop for all Pro Stock Hockey equipment. Get new sticks from a variety of NHL players and teams for a fraction of the retail cost. Every stick comes with a 30-day warranty, and hey, you get free, free rolls of tape as well. ProStockHockey.com. Let's get to what's coming down the pipe today as we uh, conclude our team-by-team WHL previews for this coming season. We had five teams uh, to go. One of them bailed. Four teams you're going to hear from today. And all four uh, are represented by their general manager. Unfortunately, the uh, the the 22nd team uh, canceled uh, the day before their uh, interview, actually about a day and a half before their confirmed uh, date and time, uh, and pulled the guest. I asked for uh, a replacement guest and was told he also wouldn't be available. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, that one team couldn't find uh, 20 minutes this week to uh, come on the show and uh, prepare their fans for the upcoming season. So disappointed in that, but it's the third year in a row for that particular franchise, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised anyway four teams did find it uh, valuable to come on the show and and uh, get some promotion for their fans the four teams that you're going to hear from today we'll start with darren ritchie the new gm of the brandon wheat kings and from there we'll go to the west coast really fun conversation first time i've had a chance to uh, chat with barkley parnetta uh, and won't be the last he's a great guest then how about the return of willie desjardins to the whl what an impact he could make in Medicine Hat. We chat with him about his return to the Tigers, and we end it 
wasn't planned this way when I started uh, booking all these guests, but it uh, just worked out this way. The defending champs, Curtis Hunt, general manager of the Prince Albert Raiders, he's going to close out the team-by-team previews. So all of that uh, coming up on the show today, of course, they're all in the dub segments, and those are brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. So much going on around the Western Hockey League right now. It's almost impossible to stay up to date on all of it. That's why it's so valuable. You you go to dubnetwork.ca, you sign up for the daily dose the thing. They'll email it to you. So in your inbox every morning, you'll get a little summary of everything that's happened uh, since the previous day. I think it's fantastic. It just makes uh, makes my job a lot easier. That's for sure. Dubnetwork.ca is the place to go for sure. Well, let's get to it. And uh, Darren Ritchie, the first time he's been on the Pipeline Show, we're talking Brandon Weekings when we come back. This is the Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. Broken up and then taken by Prop. Threw into the zone. He's on a breakaway. Look out. Short-handed. Three short-handed goals and a hat trick for Brian Prop. Holy cow. Welcome to Flyers Hockey on this Sunday. Hi, this is Brian Prop, former Brandon Weeking, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I heard about that thing on the AM radio. Yeah. That's right, this is the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming, and we are going to continue on with our WHL team-by-team previews, and of course, uh, since they're all WHL clubs, they're all in the dub segments, and that's brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. Stay up to date on everything happening around the world of the Western Hockey League by visiting dubnetwork.ca. You can click on the uh, automatic updates so you can get your daily dose of the WHL. That'll be emailed right to you. Uh, so you can stay uh, in touch with what's happening with your favorite WHL team. And uh, maybe that favorite WHL team is the Brandon Wheat Kings. And lots to stay up to date on with the Wheaties this year. Lots of changes and lots of new players and should be an interesting season. And to talk about that is, uh, it, joining me right now is uh, the new general manager of uh, the Brandon Wheat Kings. And, of course, that means I'm speaking with Darren Ritchie of the Wheat Kings. Uh, Darren, welcome to the Pipeline Show. First time I've had you on. Great to uh, Great to meet you. And... Looking forward to having a conversation with you. How are things? Thanks, Keith. I'm really excited to be here, and uh, things have been good. Uh, really looking forward to starting the season with our team. Maybe I'll start with uh, with that new promotion for you, and and what it's like of uh, sitting in the, wearing a new hat and uh, getting comfortable in your new shoes. 
Yeah, it's been real good, uh, real seamless transition for me. A lot of the things uh, I'm doing now I used to do in the past. So uh, obviously there's some new things that I hadn't done and uh, learning all that stuff. But for the most part, uh, I've done this, uh, you know, some of the hockey related things in the past. So it's been a real, uh, real easy transition. Nice. All right. Well, let's get to know your team and maybe we'll start by looking at the players who aren't back from last year's roster. Uh, when you got into the playoffs, you had a couple of 98 born players. That'd be Lyndon McCorister and Braden Chisholm, both obviously uh, too old now for the WHL. So they're gone. Who else from last year's playoff roster is uh, no longer with the uh, Brandon Weekings? Well, Stellium with Thales will uh, move on to pro. Uh, this year he'll play uh, with the <coughs> Carolina Farm team. Uh, obviously he had a good run after the end of our season going to Charlotte and winning the American League Championship. Uh, so he uh, was a real important player on our team last year. We'll uh, definitely miss uh, his offensive abilities and his leadership uh, from last year's team. And uh, he's actually the only other player uh, from last year's team uh, that won't be returning. Which, just that being able to say that, that everybody else who's eligible to come back is coming back, um, that having that uh, continuity from one year to the next, that's a, a luxury that not every team is able to have. Yeah, we were really excited about it. And obviously, uh, our players are a year older, and you expect a lot more uh, from players when they're uh, a year older in your league, you're 19 year old, so that would be up to the thousand. Uh, we're going to rely on them very heavily. Obviously, our 99s with uh, right now with Connor Gutenberg, Zach Whitnick, and Yuri Patera. Uh, we're going to you know rely on those guys. Connor Gutenberg is uh, one of the players only only player left from our championship team in 2016, so he'll bring a lot of leadership to our team uh, for our younger uh, younger players. Now, going back to Stelio Mateos for a second, I, I know that obviously uh, off-season uh, surgery that uh, I didn't know about until it was uh, I saw that the Hurricanes had actually made mention of it. Every once in a while, I mean, if it was a, a knee injury or something like that, it's a little different, and uh, maybe that player would come back uh, to the WHL since he's starting the season late. But uh, in this situation, you know for sure that uh, Carolina is keeping him up with the with the American League team? Well, I would think uh, with his ability and what he did in the playoffs, uh, I, I don't expect uh, Stelios to be back. It's actually funny. Uh, he's skating with us uh, right now uh, for three days and uh, looks really good, uh, obviously, with uh, the treatment that he's gone through. And uh, in good spirits, he's going to leave uh, here to go to Charlotte or to Carolina's camp uh, soon. And uh, whenever he's feeling up to the uh, ability that he can play at the, that, at the pro level, he will leave and do that. But I don't think uh, we expect uh, to have Stelios back this year. Okay, fair enough. Uh, all right, so the 20-year-olds that you do have are still uh, with the team, uh, Connor Gutenberg up front, uh, Zach Wittink on the back end, and a netminder, uh, Yuri Patera, has taken up two spots. Was there any apprehension involved with that, having a 20-year-old goaltender who also happens to be an import player or that connection with Kelly uh, make it uh, uh, pretty much an easy uh, decision there? No, there was no uh, discussion. Uh, Yuri was a really important player to our team. We think him uh, having another uh, year under his belt in our league is going to make him a real important player for us. Uh, we're going to rely on him heavily uh, night in and night out to play. And, uh, you know, he he uh, kept, in, uh, kept us in a lot of games last year. So I think uh, there was no uh, discussion at all about uh, him taking two spots. Uh, he's a good player. We want good players on our team, and uh, that's the, why we came to that decision. 
the other import how also happens to be a Vegas Golden Knights prospect and Marcus Callian Kelly who played in the USHL last year and um, I hope I didn't butcher that name too badly but uh, what kind of a player does Marcus look like for you? Well he's got a real heavy shot uh, played with uh, uh, two real good players last year uh, that uh, produced a lot so we expect uh, Marcus uh, to play uh, in our top uh, lines and uh, you know we want him to come here uh, feel comfortable with the surroundings uh, just like any other player uh, we just want him to come in uh, be excited to play and just play the game that uh, that has always given him uh, success now i know that the actual signing for him to uh, come to the whl came a little bit later in the summer but was there any concern with it uh, leading up to that or was it just almost a foregone conclusion being a again a golden knights prospect and having that connection with kelly mccrimmon well, there's always a process uh, trying to get the, the import player signed, and uh, I'm sure you've seen it around the league. There's always uh, guys that sign later in August, and it's just the process of uh, going through getting the transfer signed, uh, all the paperwork. It takes a bit of work. So, uh, you know, you're always a little uh, worried uh, at times with this, going through this process, but uh, we were always pretty comfortable that we would get Marcus and uh, happy that he'll be a weekend this, uh, this winter. Darren Ritchie is the general manager of the Brandon Weekings, joins me here on the Pipeline Show looking at the uh, upcoming season for the Wheaties. All right, let's go to the goaltenders. And uh, we mentioned Yuri Patera, but you still have a couple others uh, with the team right now, and Ethan Kruger and Connor Unger, correct? Yes, yeah, we do. And uh, it's a good battle. It's uh, Both kids are pushing each other. They both come back in real good shape. And uh, we'll keep, uh, keep a close eye on both boys here as uh, the preseason and the start of the season goes on. Now, is it fair to say that Patera is your number one and the other two are battling for that number two? Or, or do you see it more of a, a bit more of an open playing field for, for everybody? Well, you never uh, give the point to anybody. Uh, things. I don't think that's ever uh, fair to the players. I think they all come in uh, and, they're, and they're battling. And their play will dictate uh, how they're used. And uh, that's how we've always kind of based our decisions on. It's the players, how they're playing. And uh, we usually go uh, by that. Never know with injuries and you knock on wood, you don't really have that uh, issue. But uh, all three of these guys could see ice time at some point during the season anyway. Absolutely. We're very comfortable with all three. Uh, they've all actually played Western League games. So Connor uh, had the only shutout for us last year in the Red Deer. So right. they've had games under the belt and we're, uh, you know, we're very comfortable with all three. All right, let's go to your uh, defensive core. And uh, you mentioned at the start of this that you got so many returning players and I wonder who uh, who's come to camp this year. Uh, maybe uh, you know a couple inches taller and fifteen pounds heavier than than the last time you saw them back in April. Um, anybody take a big uh, step forward in their physical maturity like that? Well, they all come back real good. Well, uh, they looked all good. Uh, they're you know the six returning veteran guys. Uh, Vinny Vincent Oriol has had a real strong uh, training camp, strong two games of exhibition here so far. Uh, like the way he's uh, playing, Brian Schneider again is uh, you know a real important player for us. He plays a lot of minutes night in and night out, and does look uh, good as well. And then you know the Nathan Salonis, the Chad Knightucks, Johnny Lambos, uh, they've come in real good shape, and they took a you know a big step in the second half of the season, and we expect. Again, that they'll take a step here uh, to start the season. It's still a relatively young blue line group, even though they have the experience of uh, playing in the league altogether last year. For the most part, it's it's still fairly young. 
um, you could have this group again for, well, for the most part outside of winning, um, for another year or two potentially. Maybe just having that group mature and grow together, there's an advantage to that too, isn't there? Well, we sure hope so. It's uh, five guys that uh, are 18 years and older, or younger, sorry. And uh, like I said earlier, they uh, all took a step, and we expect uh, all teams expect their players to take a step during the summer. And mm-hmm. uh, we expect no different with our players. Uh, it's, and it's good. They know they know each other. They know it's expected uh, from each other. And uh, I'm sure it should give us a bit of an advantage uh, to start the season. You mentioned Iorio and uh, Braden Schneider. Both of those guys uh, listed 6'3 and 6'2 respectively. Everybody else is kind of average size. How would you describe your group as a whole? I call them uh, top moving guys. Uh, you know, they close uh, real good sticks defending. Uh, you know, they're not uh, going to pound you, but they're going to close and angle you, get the puck moving, and they're going to join the rush. Uh, we want always to play a quick game, and we expect our D uh, to always join the rush, and it'll be no different. Uh, with our, you know, with our group this year as well. Well, when they're joining the rush, they're going to join some uh, pretty talented offensive forwards and uh, some of the the returning guys you have up front that'll lead the way for you. Luca Burzan and Lyndon uh, McCallum and Cole Reinhardt and Caden Daly. These are these are all experienced players. And then you add uh, Marcus Kelly and Keeley to the mix. Uh, who becomes your maybe your your go to uh, top three or four guys up front that you're going to really rely on for that offense? Well, I think we're going to have to score by committee this year. Obviously, okay. losing Stelios in his 44 uh, goals. So I think it's going to be by committee. But uh, Luca uh, Burzan had a real strong season. He's getting drafted by Colorado. Uh, he's looked real well uh, in camp here. And uh, we would expect him to you know, be one of the guys that we rely on. Cole Reinhardt has, again, looked uh, real uh, in good shape here early on. And he'll be relied on. And then you have the Ben McCartan. He's in the Ridley Greats of the world that we uh, will rely on as well, even though they are uh, younger. Uh, they had uh, good roles last year on our team that uh, produced in the second half, so they should have uh, you know some confidence to start the season uh, going forward. Tell me a bit more about Ridley Gregg, uh, draft eligible this year, if I uh, remember correctly, and, and a fairly high pick in the, the Bannon draft. You guys took him eighth overall, so this is a guy who's been at the top and, and uh, at the forefront for the Wheat Kings uh, at least and with expectations, uh, he's been that guy for a while. Yeah, he was uh, a neat overall pick for us. He's a real, real, real skilled player, uh, very smart, uh, competitive guy, and uh, he looks like he's a bit faster this year. And uh, you know, he has great hands, great vision, and we're real looking forward to for really having a, a strong season. Who are some of the other guys that uh, might be just knocking on the door, trying to force their way onto the roster and, and get some action? Uh, tonight this or not tonight, but this season with the Wheat Kings as a as a, a would be rookie or maybe not an everyday player, but somebody who's going to get some experience this year. Well, uh, Bodie Hagen, Jake Chason, uh, they've looked good. I think they'll be able to come in and contribute uh, start the season. Brett Highland has had a good camp as well, so we've got some young players that have been pushing, and uh, you know I think uh, it's always exciting to see our young guys come in and uh, see them taking a step. And again, they're here to make our team, and they're they're making decisions real top on us. Now, it's not necessarily a small group up front. There's a lot of guys who are in that six foot six one range and closing in on two hundred pounds, but there aren't the six four and and two hundred fifteen type players up front for you. Um, is there any concern with that, or are you happy with the the size and physical uh, stature of uh, of your forwards? Well, we play. A, we got a lot of skill, and I think uh, we want to play a quick game, and then we do have some size that will. 
be able to make some room uh, for our skilled players. I think uh, you got to have a mix, and uh, we like our our skill. And uh, you know, it's early on, but we'll keep pushing our you know our guys to keep playing a fast game and a, and a heavy game. Uh, biggest challenge for your team uh, to start the season with? Uh, uh, listen, Dave Lowry is uh, one of the uh, veteran coaches around the league. He comes back to the WHL. It's uh, probably a, a blessing that you can have a, a coach of his caliber on the bench. But do you expect it might take a little time for players and coach to, to all get on the same page, or is that what training camp's for? Well, that's exactly what training camp's for. You know, with the schedule, how it is, you just play on weekends, and then you have your practice time uh, throughout the week, and it's been uh, – our practices have been really good. Uh, a lot of details, a lot of teaching. Uh, we've been, uh, our players are getting an understanding of what Dave and the staff, uh, want, want to look like. And I think it's been, uh, real good. They've actually, uh, haven't put too much on the players' plate. They've just kind of let them play. They want to kind of see how they react, uh, to sit- certain situations. And it's been a real good, uh, feel for, uh, our players and, uh, you know, our practices have been quick and fast, and we've uh, been really happy with the way our guys have practiced. Darren, uh, lastly, uh, I always wonder what the uh, where you set the bar for success uh, for a team. And uh, coming into this season, we got that cyclical nature of junior hockey where you're contenders for a couple of years, and, you know, you, you're up and down uh, from that spot trying to rebuild. And, of course, the, the Wheat Kings not that long ago were at the Memorial Cup. Uh, where are the Wheaties right now in that cycle, and uh, what would you consider to be a, a successful season in Brandon? Well, I think we're still a younger team. As we touched on, we have uh, five young, uh, 18 and younger defense returning. So, you know, I consider us uh, young, but I don't, uh, I think they have experience from the year goal. So I think that'll help us. And just like any other team, you want to make the playoffs. Uh, that's always everybody's goal. And as we saw last year in the NHL playoffs, uh, you just need to get in, and once you get in and get going on a, a good ride, anything can happen. So uh, that's always any team's uh, goal is to make the playoffs, and that we're no different. Excellent. Darren, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for making time for the Pipeline Show, and uh, wish you the best of luck this season. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. That's my first conversation with uh, Darren Ritchie, and I appreciate his time. And one of the things I've learned when I'm doing these team-by-team previews is I, I get reminded of, of the depth that teams have, and I think maybe uh, some people might overlook Brandon. Yeah, they lose pieces from last year, and they had traded off so much from last year as well, but that's a really good goaltending group that they have with Yuri Patera and Ethan Kruger and Connor Unger. Those three, they can all play in the league, and uh, Braden Schneider is going to be a, a high draft pick this year. He mentioned a few of the other uh, guys on the back end, and uh, they've got uh, scoring up front. I think, I think this is a team that could surprise some people this year. Um, I don't think they're going to lead the division, but I definitely think this is a playoff team. And once you're in, anything can happen. So uh, watch for the Brandon Wheat Kings this year. Should be a fun team to watch. Another team that's going to be really fun to watch, the Vancouver Giants. They were one win away from a WHL championship last year. We'll talk to Barkley Parnetta, the GM of the Giants, next here on the Pipeline Show. Dallas had hit the puck. Now Dallas spins and fires. off his glove and it stayed out by millimeters. Hey, it's Carter Hart of the Everett Silver Tips and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares 
witness to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. We're back on The Pipeline Show and continuing with our team-by-team WHL previews. And uh, this stop, it's the Vancouver Giants, and that means I get to speak with the general manager of those Giants. That's Barkley Parnetta. Welcome to The Pipeline Show, sir. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. I, th- I think this is actually the first time I've I've had you on the show, so... Uh, great to uh, to meet you this way. I know I've talked to you in person, but uh, great to have you on the program. Um, let's get to know your team a little bit. And as we're uh, well through uh, training camp and now into the preseason, um, maybe we'll start by listing the players who aren't back from last year's playoff team. And uh, the uh, 98 borns that you had uh, with the club last year, Jared, Jared Dimitru, uh, Davis Kosh, Jared Legion at one point, and uh, Dallas Hines as well. I know there are others who aren't back this year who do still have WHL WHL eligibility. Uh, who's not back with the team this year? Dallas Hines has moved on to the CIS. Um, uh, Davis Koch has, has moved o- over to Europe there. He's given it a shot over in Germany and mm-hmm. one of the Dell leagues, and, and which is great for him. He became a really big part of our team last year and was really uh, uh, not only on the ice but off the ice, did a terrific job with sort of uh, bringing our group together. And he really turned out to be a big part of what happened in the run. And then, of course, our you know our captain has graduated, and Jared Demetra, who truly was a, a a very good captain, a true leader in every sense of the word, and just a warrior on the ice. He really uh, left it all out there and set a, a great example for our our young leadership group to sort of uh, see how a leader is, and they can sort of carry the torch from there. And he passed it on, and and we're really lucky and fortunate to have had him. Now there are other players who were on the on the squad last year that you had in the playoffs, but uh, aren't with the team anymore due to off season trades and what have you. Who are who are some of those guys? Well, Dawson Holtz uh, is a guy that that we moved to, uh, you know, get going into the summer. We had a lot, we have a lot of returning ninety uh, nines, and mm-hmm. he, we had an opportunity to get him into a good situation, and it worked out for us that we're able to get a a player back that we think can help us and, and has experience in the league, even though he's a European, but. Uh, Sergey Alkamov, and and which sort of bolstered our lineup, uh, gave us another veteran guy. So that was kind of nice. Uh, you know, we're still currently sitting with uh, the six overages, and and uh, and and that's going to sort out. Obviously, at some point here, it has to sort sort out by the tenth. And uh, some of the guys are still at pro camp, so that's uh, we're waiting to make sure everybody's coming back before we really do too much there. Now, when you have six twenty-year-olds in camp. That's a lot of competition, and I know I've, I've talked to a lot, most of the GMs at this point now, uh, and uh, some of them like to have uh, got down to three before camp starts, so it's not sort of a, a story, it's not hanging over other guys' heads, and uh, other GMs want to see that battle and, and guys fighting for those three roster spots. Uh, what about for you? Six is, a, six is a lot. You might have more than anybody else. Yeah, I think we do. Ideally, obviously, it's much easier to manage if, if you're sort of down to your guys, Um the one thing that we're fortunate here and, and is that we've got uh, six 20-year-olds that are all capable of playing in our league. Mm-hmm. And the run that we went on last year, our team grew so close 
really they all get along so well that uh, the situation coming into the year is that, you know what, um, they all know uh, there's only going to be three of them at the end of the day, but the the, the hardest thing is we've got to work through it and get to it. And, and the kids all get along so well that it's, it's you know, uh, it's we're able to do it. It's not like they don't get along with one another. Uh, the other thing is, is you know, it's more the day of waiting to hear when they're gone. I'm sure there's going to be a big group hug and a cry, and I might even be in that group hug and cry because <laughs> we did go through so much last year, and uh, we all became extremely close. Uh, that you don't go through a season like that and uh, not get tight. So they all know they all know that the, the, the potential of what could happen, and and I think communicating with them, uh, you know, on a daily basis and talking to them. Uh, sort of keep them at ease and, and just let them know that, you know what, you know what, it's not like I'm not going to look at them because one of them's going to be gone. Uh, I'm still interacting with them on a daily basis and, and, and they're doing their job, which is awesome. Now there's six and you can only have three. Uh, one of the, one of the six you have is a defenseman. So is it almost like, okay, I, I don't want to have three overage forwards. So the defenseman's probably safe. I don't want to, you know, put words into your mouth or anything, but how do you determine who those three are going to be? I mean, some of it could be, who gets you the most back in trade? Because you're right, all six of these guys can play in the league. So exactly what you just said, that's exactly what's been going through my mind and organization's mind all summer. What is what what is the right thing for the organization? Mm-hmm. And sometimes what you might get back comes into play. Sometimes it's needs on other teams. I mean, Dylan Pluff is, is overage defenseman that's returning and, and you know, with a, a couple of guys at pro camp, not knowing how long they're going to be uh, on our back end, we had four guys at NHL camps mm-hmm. uh, off our back end. It's it's important that we, you know, we know we've got some veteran presence back there. So, you know, it should be sorted out by the 10th. Uh, you know, the forward group, again, it, it's a really interesting dynamic when you look at our 20-year-olds because there's no two similar guys. They all bring something to the team in a different aspect, in a different way, uh, which is really unique, I think, in the sense that, you know what, do you want a heavy, hard guy? Do you want a face-off guy? Do you want a two-way guy? Do you want a guy that is a one-shot scorer? So, you know, it, it, it's all going to sort of unfold. And, and I wish I could tell you I know I knew how it was going to unfold because uh, I've got maybe 10 different scenarios that I've <laughs> mocked up on a, a spreadsheet. And, and with every move, with every move of one, it, there's a reaction for another. So it, it's it's sort of just going to see what happens here. All right. Well, just for the uh, audience, uh, for their benefit, the six are Owen Hardy, Braden Watts, Jaden Joseph, Milos Roman up front, uh, as well as Dylan Plouffe on the back end, and David Tendak uh, in net. And uh, and again, a couple of those. I mean, a goaltender, a 20-year-old goaltender, uh, is is risky because not all all teams have a, a twenty year old uh, want to tie up a, a twenty year old spot with a goalie and you have a an import as well taking up one of those twenty year old spots so it does definitely get complicated for you. Um, let's go to those Europeans right now and, and you mentioned uh, the uh, acquisition of Sergei Alkamov earlier um, and and Milos Roman is back as well. Uh, I, with Roman taking up the twenty year old spot, I mean, does he come into question or is is he going to be one of the twenties? Uh, because of the import situation as well, he taken up two spots. Well, Milos is at the Calgary Flames camp right now, and until he's back, we don't know he's going to be back. The potential for him possibly to sign and right. play in the HL is still there. Uh, so when he comes back, then we'll have a much better idea of where that goes. I mean, Milos um, is a consummate professional. His workout regiment is off ice. He truly uh, is a professional player, uh, and. Uh, He's uh, he was our top line center last year and he ate up a lot of minutes. So, you know, he he's a player that certainly 
knows our identity and plays to it, as all of our guys do uh, in that age group. So uh, if he's back, I think that that, that would be terrific. And uh, we'll have to sort of see what happens from there. Is he signed? Have the Flames signed him? He, he has not signed yet, but he could mm-hmm. earn a contract at this camp. And that's sort of, you know, sometimes you just don't know. The one thing I know about hockey is that you can't, you, you, what you, you don't know about hockey because things <laughs> tend to change and happen and, and you may have a great master plan, but guess what? That master plan looks a lot different at the end of the year than it did at the start. Yeah. Uh, similar also with Tendek uh, being an Arizona prospect and at their camp right now is, but I don't know if he signed yet or not. Now, David hasn't signed yet either. And that's, so when guys go to camps like this, yeah. that's the question as a general manager. Like truly both these guys went to league final last year. Uh, I think they're, they're both very good players and the potential for them to go there and sign. And all of a sudden you get a call from the organization saying, you know what? We've signed them. We're going to send them down to the HL, see how it goes. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's one of the reasons why we still have six OAs is, mm-hmm. you know what? We don't know the status of them. So, uh, you kind of wait and hope. And, and even other teams don't want to trade for guys that, you know, may not be coming back. They, they sort of teams, GMs and organizations want to know guys going to be part of their program if they make a trade for them. Exactly. Um, I wonder in situations like that, what's your communication like with the NHL team? Or are you kind of just basically, you know, wait and see what play, how it plays out? No, I, I mean, I'm fortunate. I, I worked with Bradfield Living in, 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 well, Phoenix, but Arizona now was Phoenix Coyotes when I worked there. But, mm-hmm. uh, so Brad and I also, uh, played some junior together. So we've got a really good relationship and I'm able to text or call him and he's pretty forthcoming with what's going on. So, you know, I don't want to bug them. Uh, we want to get them a good look and, and at some point, you know, I'll shoot off a text and say, how's it going? What not? And, and generally we'll get a heads up. Uh, same with Arizona. We've established a relationship. Their goalie coach was uh, out a lot last year. Uh, I was able to establish a relationship with a general manager who came to a couple of our games. So I was able to speak with them and, 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 and hopefully then Lindsay Hofford as well is a guy that we're able to communicate with uh, via text or however. And they've been pretty good at sort of, you know, letting us know what's going to happen more or less. Barkley Parnetta, the GM of the Vancouver Giants, my guest here on the Pipeline Show as we uh, get prepared for the upcoming season. Uh, let's continue on with the goaltending position. And outside of David Tendek, you have Trent Miner as well, another drafted player. Uh, he's off at Colorado camp uh, right now. So with those two guys gone, you still have two other goalies with you right now, and Braden Yerby and, and Drew Sim. Um, let's just assume for a second all four guys are back. It's it's a problem, but it's kind of a good problem to have too. You got uh, a lot of talented netminders. It is. We're fortunate to to, to have that, and and certainly uh, as a general manager or coach or even a team, I know that going through the year last year, the tandem of Ten Dick and Miner, uh, just the comfort level that you don't have to worry about what's going to happen in the net uh, really puts you at ease because you can really focus on other things. When you've got a goaltender that you're maybe not as confident in, or whether you only have one and then one gets hurt, then you're wondering what's going on. That uh, uh, that makes for some sleepless nights for general managers in this league, for sure. But Brady Yerby's a, a, a O2 that's come in, and, and you know what? Both Brady and Drew are trying to establish themselves as, as Western Hockey League goaltenders, and they've sort of each played two games now, and, and they're sort of finding their way through it. And in the event that uh, one of the two other goalies aren't, aren't back or here, then you know what? That's where we look. We look into the, the depth of our organization to hopefully uh, have that position filled and and. You know what? The, so far, they've been okay. They've been been fine with through the exhibition season, and uh, it does heat up in the regular season. But uh, we'll see. Again, it's kind of a waiting game. We got to wait to see what happens when people return, and once they're here, then we sort of uh, move forward. 
Well, it's been uh, we've been t- chatting for about ten minutes, and I haven't mentioned the name Bowen Byram yet, but we have to get there now. And just how big of a question mark that is for you coming into the season, because uh, you know you can make an argument that uh, there's not a lot of eighteen year olds that can step right into the NHL, especially as a defenseman. But if there's one, boy, it might be him. And uh, how how nervous are you uh, with what happens with Bowen Byram and, and the the difference it means for your team uh, to have him this year or not? Well, I mean, I mean, first off, if if Bo is able to make the Colorado Avalanche this year, that really speaks well to the organization. It really shows that uh, the preparation and and the sort of teaching that we did with him got him to a level at that age. And I mean, he's a remarkable player. Obviously, a lot of it are natural instincts, and, and it's, he's a pleasure to work with. But it really would help. And and I don't think in junior hockey he can really plan for that. You know, I don't know how what's how he's going to do. If he starts putting up numbers and doing well, we may not see him all year. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't know what Colorado would think as far as their, the cap hits and whatnot. You know, does he play his nine games and come back? Uh, we do have a relationship with them, and obviously Joe Sackett's from Vancouver, and, and he, he's friends with the organization, so uh, he's another person that we can talk to and is pretty open with us. But really, watching what Bo did in the playoffs last year was remarkable. I mean, to think that a 17-year-old defenseman led the playoffs in scoring for the first time in the history of the WHL, with not only was he only 17, but you think about the Hall of Fame defensemen that have played through the playoffs in the, H, uh, in the WHL and never did that. I, I was I actually didn't know a defenseman had never done that, but watching what Bo did, I'm not going to rule anything out. I mean, he he could go to the NHL and play regular. He really could. But until they start playing the games and sort it out up there, and, and you know defensively that sometimes it's a little harder on those guys when you're playing against pros and then uh, the other thing is they do have really good young depth there in their mm-hmm. organization so I don't know if they could have three guys under 21 on their back end half of their back end being under 21 uh, in the NHL would be uh, a pretty big feat to, to pull off for the entire season yeah exactly yeah so do you as of this moment do you plan like okay we have to plan as if he's not coming back and then if he does you know in mid-November after he's played nine games, whatever, then it's a bonus. But for now, you plan like you don't see him again? We do, uh, yeah. We, I plan The plan going in was like, we don't know when he's coming back. Let's let's build our team around the premise that he won't be back. Um, whether he comes back uh, just prior to the World Juniors and is gone or whether he comes back after the World Juniors and it's like getting a, 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 a real big deadline acquisition that gives you a big shot in the arm for the, mm-hmm. for the playoff run. All right, so the the rest of the blue line then, uh, guys like Caleb Bullich and, and Seth Bafaro and Alex Kanek-Liepert, and, uh, you have a lot of returning players uh, that were with you on this playoff run from last year. That experience has got to be a, a huge bonus for you coming into this year. Well, it's huge. You know what? It, that, that experience, uh, I mean, I, it really was the first time for me firsthand being that involved, going that deep. Uh, we had, you know, being around the guys and just seeing what they go through, not just on the ice, mentally, I mean – there's a lot of ups and downs, and it's extremely hard what these young kids do. The people have no idea how hard it is to be a Western Hockey League player. These guys, balancing their school, uh, the the tactics, the video, the teaching that goes on. I mean, there's I watch our practices, and, and I have a hard time keeping up sometimes. And these kids are smart. They're smart, and they work hard. And that playoff experience through something like that uh is great for the organization because what happens is now going through it the next time that experience bleeds into those young kids because the way the older guys act and react that's what the young group sees and they sort of just take 
take cues from the older guys, which really helps sort of keep that rolling and over and over every year. So, you know what? It'll put the younger guys at ease that, you know what, they've been here before and, and they've been through those battles and, and, and the trenches of the playoff series, travel, everything. And, uh, it really does help. It's, it, it, it it's so, such a, we're so further ahead going into a playoff with a group like that that has that experience that uh, it really does help. And pretty much everybody's 18 or 19, I think, on your blue line. A couple of younger guys, but not rookies either. I don't think there is a rookie on your blue line this year, is there? Well, yeah, no, there is right now. I mean, we've got uh, the we've got two guys, Tanner Brown and, and Jacob Gender, our O2 players that are coming in and uh, have had a really good preseason here. But you know our the the bulk of our D is you know what we've got uh, Dylan Plouffe, Alex Kleppert, Caleb Bulich, Seth Bafaro, uh, and Nick Draffin returns as well. So uh, you know, and excluding Bo on, on top of that, I mean, so that's a, a pretty veteran core back there, and and they are an older group at this point, and and they're all very capable, good players in our league, and and they sort of all bring a different thing that that helps us. So. No, it's it's a again comforting feeling to have D like that. A D and goalies tend to be the biggest uh, uh, sleep loss guys for uh, GMs in the league, and and I'll, I haven't had to take any sleeping pills. I'll tell you that to get to sleep <laughs> right now. I'm getting to sleep okay. Uh, well, with that depth, you were able to to move Joel Sexsmith in that trade with Red Deer and, and picked up uh, the rights to Brandon Buddy. It didn't uh, turn out though. Um, what went wrong there? Well, nothing went wrong. We got Joel's in a. In, you know what? Joel worked extremely hard this year. He came in and, and he looks really good. And, and to get him an opportunity there, uh, you know what? With the five roster D, it's, it's a tough spot. And I think that uh, he's in a good place now. He's closer to home. And I think it worked out well. And, and with Booty, you know what? We're still working on him. Uh, you know what? There's nothing guaranteed in this game. And we'll just continue to sort of work on him and hope he reports. And, and, then, and then if he does, that's great. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's look at you, the uh, the rest of the forward group, uh, and again, lots of experience uh, coming back, and you do have the the four ninety nine born guys up front at the moment, but uh, the rest of your uh, your group, uh, again, lots of returning players. Um, so that experience from from one seat to the next, so valuable. Um, who who have you maybe seen take a big step in their off season development? I mean, it's not that long ago that you saw these guys, but anybody really take a a physical maturity step? Well, I think Lucas Sekoski has, has really taken a step forward physically. He, he came back, you know, I think 12 pounds heavier than he was, and he spent, uh, uh, he didn't spend kid time in the gym. He spent uh, pro time in the gym. So there's a difference. Some of the kids go in there, and you're not as focused, and, uh, you know, you do your workout, but it's not necessarily at the level it needs to be to play in this league. And, and Lucas really uh, came a long way in the gym this summer, and that which is really going to help him in his draft year because he uh, – he really started to shine in the playoffs for us and was very impressed with him. I mean, Tristan Nielsen's a, a guy who stepped in right away and, 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 and raised his game up another level. Like he's ready to go. He's hungry. Uh, he plays hard. He play, you know, he plays the right way. We acquired a, uh, Jackson Shepard, who's another veteran Western Hockey League player who just literally fits right in to our, our, our modus operandi. He's on his toes. He's fast. He plays hard. So, uh, th- those are three guys I think that I've noticed right away. And then some of the younger guys, we had a couple of younger signings here in, in, in our group. Uh, you know, Cole Shepard was a player that we signed. Uh, and, you know, he's just recovering from an injury, but he's ahead of schedule. And, and he's a very highly skilled guy that, uh, you know, I was able to watch at the U-17s and, and this year. And he played on a team with Seth Jarvis and, and Justin Sertif. And, and they were the three best players, I thought, on the team. Justin Sertif, I mean, 
Man, 23 goals last year. 22 were five on five. He only had one power play goal last year, amazing. which is amazing if you think about it. That's incredible. Uh, another guy that can provide some scoring to us, which we're looking forward to. Uh, another guy from from the BC Hockey League, John Little, is a guy that kind of uh, really prospered at the end of the season, and he's stepped in and looks pretty good. So, you know, uh, along with the veterans, uh, the young guys that are stepping in are seem prepared and ready to go. And uh, you know, Cruz Plummer, another. O2 guy that was a draft of the Giants uh, came in and he's a heavy hard player so we're excited no we're excited I I think the group looks good uh, now you mentioned Cruz Plummer and it throws Zach Ostapchuk in the in the mix as well as as young guys who'd be uh, you know full time rookies this year if they can make the team and stick with you um, and two local guys for where I'm at uh, in uh, in around the Edmonton area they're they're highly touted. But they're young. Do you kind of have to temper expectations a little bit, especially because of how deep your team is? They're going to be playing further down your depth chart than they would with most teams. No, yeah, no, I, you know what? It actually works out good because, you know, Zach Ostapchuk is a guy that he really skates well. So the transition to the league are, is always easier for those guys with that long stride. He's a big body kid. He's physically pretty mature. So, you know what? He can be put into different situations and having the support of, of, of a, some of the veteran guys, you don't have to rush him into to scenarios that you really don't want him to be in so he can sort of find his way in. We, we've had another young 16-year-old as well forward from Manitoba, Justin Lees, who's, who's, who's been impressive at camp, came in 190 pounds, is really physically mature, and, uh, you know, he's from Flin Flon, Manitoba, so growing up, his, his minor hockey wasn't necessarily as organized as some of the, the places that he'd been in, so he's sort of figuring that out and learning the game. So that's that's another young guy that's sort of been looked real good through camp. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of positives here. Obviously, right now, it's, this puck hasn't dropped, but uh, those are two young guys that have really stuck out uh, up front uh, that, that look like they're going to be able to make that transition. Barkley, what do you think the, the biggest challenge will be for the Giants this year? Well, I, the biggest challenge is going to be teams are going to be prepared for us now. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, it wasn't a surprise to, to myself or our coaching staff that we ended up where we did, but I think there's a lot of questions in the league about where we should or shouldn't be. And I think that uh, now this year, the sort of teams, are they, they have an idea of our, our style a little more, and they'll be more prepared. So I think just making sure our kids are focused, and they are. You know what? They didn't come back with big heads. Our, our boys came back in, and they got right to work. And there's nobody in there sort of resting on their laurels. They're ready to go. They're hungry. And, and they want to win one more game. That's their goal. And, and they're focused. And, uh, you know, with the preparation that we do with our coaching staff, I, I, and we're around our guys all the time. We keep them hum- humble and we keep them hungry. And they really do that themselves, which is even better. Uh, and lastly, I always ask the, the, uh, the guests what the reasonable expectations are for for a team, your club, I mean, so close to winning it all last year, just that one game short, um, and so many returning players. I mean, do you set the bar for success winning the championship, just that one more game? Or, I mean, could you have a – what else would be considered a successful season for you if if uh, not being WHL champs this year? Well, uh, you know, uh, as, if we don't have a target on – certainly, I mean, that's the goal is to win one more game. And – our division has taken a considerably step forward. The yep. teams in our division are, are all a year older. Uh, there's some new coaches in our division, um, and our division's going to be a, a harder division than it might have been last year, just based on the ages of the kids and the caliber of the players. Everybody's a year older and a year better here. You know, Clone is hosting the Cup. So, I mean, our goal definitely, it, it's it's to get there. We want to be in Kelowna. Uh 
I'm not going to say that uh, anything short of that would be disastrous, but getting as close as we did last year with the amount of returning guys we have, uh, it's realistic, and I think that uh, there's a belief here that we're going to do that again. Absolutely. Really appreciate your time, Barkley. I hope uh, you guys have a terrific season. Wish you the best of luck. Thanks for doing this. No, it was great. Great to talk to you. I enjoyed it. Anytime. Well, what do you think? I had a number of people uh, making predictions for the BC division that uh, had Vancouver as the number one team, and then they'd have a little asterisk and say, if Bowen Byram is back, and if not, then they might be the third or fourth team uh, in the division. I still look at that club, and there's there's depth at every position once again. if I mean, if they get David Tendak back from Arizona, then they've got two goaltenders that are starters in the league, Tendak and Trent Minor. So I would expect them to move one of them, likely David Tendak, and I could see a fit there with uh, with Prince Albert potentially, or maybe Winnipeg because they've got some injury issues. And if they uh, get Milos Roman back as well, well, they still got too many. Uh, they'd still have five overage players, so two of them would have to go. And all six that Vancouver has right now can play in the league. So yeah, they're going to move pieces. They're going they're going to have to move some players, and they might not get impact. Uh, you know, warm bodies in return for them, but they're dealing from almost from a position of strength. Yeah, with their back against the wall because of the overage limit, but you look at the rest of the team, and there's still a lot there. I think Tristan Nielsen could be poised for a, um, a a huge season for the Vancouver Giants. I like the uh, that you've got Cruz Plummer and Justin Sordoff and, and Zach Ostapchuk all coming in and uh, young guys to build around, and they're not going to have to play above their head yet. And the blue line without Bowen Byram still has Dylan Plouffe and, and Seth Bofaro and Alex Kanak Liepert and Caleb Bullich. and so they've they've got depth. I, I still think this could be the the best team in the division without Bowen Byram. Without him, they're a really good team. With Bowen Byram in the back in the lineup, they might be the favorite in the WHL for the championship this year. So yes, a lot is riding on whether or not he comes back. But if he doesn't. Or if he only comes back, you know, mid-November, and then he's gone to the World Junior, and he only basically only plays about forty-five games, fifty games, you're still going to have him for the playoffs, and uh, that's when it really matters. So uh, the the Vancouver Giants are going to be really, really good once again. Up next on the Pipeline Show, the return of Willie Desjardins to not just the program, but to the Western Hockey League, as he's back in his old, familiar stomping grounds of Medicine Hat. We'll look at the Tigers. We'll also uh, ask him how much the league has changed in the uh, decade that he's been gone to the NHL. That is coming up next here on the Pipeline Show. One, two, three, four. Penalty is over. And the Flames four of them get out. Up the center and coming in as Lou. Hewendike centered it. And the scores. Lanny McDonald. Hey, it's Lanny McDonald, formerly of the Medicine Hat Tigers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Dance off, bro. Me and you. We are back on the Pipeline Show and uh, continuing on with our team by team previews. Uh, this stop the Medicine Hat Tigers, the second last team that we're getting to, uh, and that means uh, the general manager and the head coach Willie Desjardins back on the Pipeline Show. Uh, Willie, great to talk to you once again. How are things in Medicine Hat? No, things are good. It's a great city. It's uh, good to be back here. 
Uh, I'm curious. It's been what about ten years since uh, you left for the NHL, and, and I know the the regular season hasn't started yet. But have you felt a change? Has the league changed at all since you were last back in Medicine Hat? Um, it's probably a little too early to tell. Uh, you know, I think, uh, and and I, you forget a little bit too once you've been gone for a while. You go to the NHL, you, you kind of forget where it was exactly. I think that uh, for one, I think the players are are more talented. Um, I just think that's the same with all leagues. I think the other thing is, uh, I think certainly at the NHL level, more young guys are playing, and I would assume that might, you know, come back down to the junior leagues as well. Mm-hmm. For you to come back to the WHL after spending the last decade in the NHL, does it feel like putting on familiar uh, shoes again, or like a does it fit like a glove, or is there a sense it's almost like going back to high school and? Been there, done that to some degree. How's how's that transition working for you? I don't know. I don't think it's been there, done that. Um, I, I think uh, you know. I, I don't think it fits like a glove either. I think there's lots of new things, uh, lots of new challenges. You know, I think um, just because you had some kind of success before doesn't mean you're going to have it again. Mm. Um, so I don't think there's any comfort in in that. I think uh, hockey's always a now sport like it's what's happening now so i don't think the past really really matters it's you just have to find a way to be successful now new building so that's different obviously but uh bob ridley's still there so the more things change the more they stay the same <laughs> yeah it's great to have rids around he's <laughs> seen so many things with hockey and and with his team in particular um you know it's great it's great to see him again he's looking good uh it was good we he uh, drove the bus, called the game in Regina the other night, drove home, so it was just like all times. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, we all love Bob Ridley. Um, all right, let's get to know the, the team this year, and maybe we'll just uh, check off the list of uh, players who aren't back from last year's uh, playoff squad. And, uh, of course, every team loses their uh, overage players uh, from the year before for the Tigers. That's uh, Ryan Jeveny and uh, Dylan McPherson. I know uh, Jordan Hollett also not, not back this year. Linus Nassen. Uh, off the back end, and he parted ways recently with Jackson Steele. How many 20-year-olds are, are left with the team right now? Uh, right now we have four guys left. Uh, we have Peruzzo, uh, we got Hamlin, we got Chizowski, and we got Christian, or sorry, Oster. Oster, that's right. Do you like to have that sort of competition in camp, or or is this less than desirable to, ha- to have uh, more than the, uh, the allotted three uh, through camp? Oh, I don't know. I think whatever you have, you have to make it work for you. Um, I think for the 20 year olds, sometimes it's nice just to have the three so they know where they're at and what they're doing. And, and you want to be good to them. They've been good to your organization. They've been with you. So you want to try to create the best situation you can for them. Uh, I think on the other hand, you want to, if you have four, you want to give them all a chance to kind of make your team. They all deserve that chance. So, uh, you know, I think it's just try to find a way to make it work. We got four. Um, so we want to try to give them all a chance and, uh, you know, but then somewhere along the way, there'll be some tough decisions. And they're all forwards as well. Is that, uh, um, okay. Or would you in, you know, moving forward, um, would you prefer to have that spread out a little bit positionally? So they're not all up front. I don't know. I, I think, uh, you kind of always like older defensemen. Um, you know, I think they're, uh, it's nice to have that. But we're, we're we're sitting good. We got two 19 year old D, two 18 year old D. So, um, you know, we're in a good spot with that. Uh, you know, as far as having some older players. Um, but you you know you just 
I think you always just try to look for the best players and the best fit for your team. Uh, when it comes to the import uh, players, you have one that's away at NHL camp right now in Mad Sogard, fantastic goalie, arguably uh, one of the top goaltenders uh, in the entire Western Hockey League, and a newcomer in Jonathan Brinkman-Anderson uh, from Denmark. Uh, we're very, very familiar with what Sogard can do and how important he is to the team, but tell me about the new fella. Uh, Brinkman's a, a very talented player, uh, sees the ice well, um, you know, he's got good size, uh, you know, I think he's got good quickness, um, I think he has to adjust to the league though, I think there'll be an adjustment period for sure, but uh, has very good skill. Alright, and uh, how well do you know uh, Mads? Um, not real well, um, you know, I, I know he's competitive, uh, I know he he. He has a really positive uh, attitude when he comes to the rink. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a he's a guy that's well liked by his teammates. So lots of good things for him. Uh, you know, I haven't seen him play as much, so uh, that's something I'm looking forward to. The other goaltender in camp, you just added to the team, and Evan Fredette, and uh, I believe actually you still have another goaltender around, but uh, Fredette with the experience, uh, you go out of your way to pick him up. Um, why in particular uh, was Fredette a good fit for the Tigers? Um, you know, I think he, he has really good numbers. Um, you know, he was real successful in the Max tournament. Uh, big body guy. Um, so I think he's good. We also saw Borkland in camp. Borkland's had a great camp as well. Um, so it's just a little bit more depth uh, with our group. Um, but I think we have some. I think we have some good goaltenders. Uh, for sure, Borkland, Borkland, excuse me, uh, a first round pick of the Tigers a couple of years ago. So yeah. coming in with uh, uh, some pedigree. Uh, tell me about your blue line, and, and I know you're still getting to know a, a lot about your team. But uh, one of the things that stands out there's some size with uh, your more veteran players on the back end. Yeah, we do. You know, we got uh, you know four guys that kind of probably took the majority of it with. Baker and Clayton, uh, Van Imp and, and Luongo. So those four guys will be counted on heavily to uh, provide leadership for us and, and uh, to kind of steady our defense. Um, you know, all big guys that, uh, uh, you know, we want to get involved in the attack and, and uh, um, probably want to get a little bit more active. I know you've, you, in going back to your days with the Tigers, you've always had offensive-minded defensemen. Is that important for you to be able to have uh, one or two players that can jump up and join that attack? Um, I think it's something you'd like, uh, but I think at the same time, you know, your coach's job is to coach whatever you have. And, um, you know, I think our guys, are, you know, there's different things to stress. Maybe they'll, uh, they'll get a little bit more involved. Uh, time will tell. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's my job as a coach just to make sure that, uh, um, whatever we have, whoever's working back there, we get the most out of them. Well, you also happen to be the GM, so do you find yourself, uh, you know, you, you put on one hat and you have conversations with yourself in the mirror as as coach talking to the GM in the mirror? <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> um, I think you, I, I think you always, you know, when you have two hats, I think it's good because, you know, lots of times, uh, you know, when I was first starting as coaching, it was like, well, why can't I take these three bad players and try to turn into a great player? Like, what's wrong with that GM? Um, <laughs> I think now you're a little bit more realistic and you know how hard it is to trade. Like everybody's smart. Everybody knows the players. Uh, you just don't do that. Um, you know, trades kind of now have to work for both parties or, or they don't work. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think I am a little bit more realistic and I realize it's difficult to make trades. Um, you know, so I think I, 
then turn to the coach's side and say, hey, you, we've got to develop our guys and we've got to get better that way. I know you have a number of young players who would be rookies uh, right now uh, still among the defensemen trying to, to make the team. Who are some of those guys that are, are really forcing your hand and, and uh, might force their way onto the roster? Well, Krebs has been good. Uh, Watson's been pretty good. Uh, Capti's been in there. Adjuman. So we got we kind of got four other D around right now that uh, you know maybe have played a little bit with us in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our guys that uh, um, are looking to get a, maybe a bit a little bit bigger role this year. All right, let's move up to the uh, the forward units. And uh, you mentioned the the four overage guys that you have uh, still in camp, and you, you eventually I'll have to get down to three, but. Behind those guys, where there's a lot of offensive talent with your squad, and and I think you know every year it seems like the Medicine Hat Tigers are just consistently good. And uh, but before I hang up with you, I'm going to ask you about the secret to that. But um, tell me about your forward group uh, as a whole, and and what stands out to you maybe as you describe them as a group. Well, I think we have good depth. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, I I think we have. I think we can. I think we have we have just good depth. We've got four pretty good lines. I think we got three lines where any one of them could be considered your number one line, you know, depending on the day. Um, you know, so I like that part of it. I think uh, we have some young guys that have to prove they can they can do things. We got some older guys that want to get to another level. So I think we have a, a good combination of older and younger guys. I imagine that Cole Sillinger will see time with your uh, squad this year. Uh, lots to be expected and expectations will be high uh, for a player like that. But do you have to temper expectation a little bit? Uh, because how deep you are, he might not be, you know, getting prime opportunities like he will, you know, in the, over the next two or three years. As a rookie, he's got to find his way. A little bit. It's, it's easy to forget sometimes that he's 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the way he handles himself, the way he plays. And that's a real compliment to him. Like, you know, like you, you kind of see a player where he is and he doesn't play like a 16 year old. He certainly plays older. Um, saying that, I think he, you know, it's, uh, it's hard when you have so many high expectations, uh, coming into every game. It's like, you know, it's like every game's a disappointment because it's so hard. Um, you know, I, I think that's a, and that's a tough challenge. And you get that lots of times with second year players where they've had a good first year. And now the expectations are so high second year, it's tough to, to meet those. But he, he's a guy, he's going to go after him. Uh, he's got a great attitude. Um, you know, he's confident. You know, he'll work hard. So it's, it, you know, I think there's some, uh, there's some challenges for him for sure. But uh, I really like his makeup. I like his attitude and I like his work ethic. Willie Desjardins, the head coach of the Medicine Hat Tigers, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Has the rest of the coaching staff changed much from last year? Um, not a lot. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, um, Joe Fraser's back, uh, Ryan Smith's back. Those two guys were, were key guys. I think, uh, both been around a lot. Both are, are great at what they do. Uh, we added Smee Warren as a, uh, video, uh, assistant coach, which is going to help us out. Um, so I don't think there's lots of changes in that regards, but, uh, certainly like our staff how important is that for you to have those guys because they're familiar with the players but also from the players perspective that they have that continuity from one year to the next i mean you're the new guy almost in a lot of senses uh, you're kind of the rookie now yeah it is and it's really really important um you know you, you mentioned a little bit about uh, the consistency of the team uh i think sean Clouston did a great job when he was here he um uh, 
you know, I, he left the team in good shape. Uh, you know, I think it's an organized group. It's a, it's a hard working group. Um, and then that comes down to, uh, Joey and Ryan as well. Like those guys are a big part of it and, and what they do and, and what they bring with the athletes. So it's, it's really important nowadays that you, you have that group. I know one guy can do it all. Um, you know, and I think we really, I know I really rely on those guys to make us successful. Just a couple more questions for you, and I appreciate your time. Uh, I think the last time the the Tigers missed the playoffs, outside of uh, a couple of years ago when they lost in the uh, the, the tiebreaker game, uh, it goes back to before you were, your first stint with the Tigers. That consistency, it's pretty hard to be consistently good every year with junior hockey because of the turnover in the rosters. So what is the key to that success? Why why have the Tigers have been able to maintain a, just a level of consistent, strong play. Might not be a contender every year, but you're definitely in the mix every year. Well, I think if you go back to my the first year we went to the Cup, uh, we didn't make any trades that year. Um, you know, we just stayed with the group we had. The second year, uh, there was one trade early and then another trade late, a little bit later in the year. But again, it was basically the same group we we had all year. So. I think our philosophy is development inside, like get our players and develop them. Um, you know, I don't think, uh, I think one disadvantage or I don't know, maybe it's an advantage. Um, I always really believe in our players and I, I never want to give up on them. I never, I always maybe overvalue our guys. Uh, and it's just because I believe in them so much. So, um, that makes it maybe tough to crave. I like that answer. Um, and lastly, what would you consider to be a, a successful season this year for the Tigers? Um, I guess I consider it successful if, uh, uh, you know, if a lot of our guys get out and sign, sign pro contracts, um, if we come to the rink every night and, and uh, battle and play as hard as we can, um, and I guess that our guys enjoy the year. Um, you know, I think those sides would be would, would indicate we're pretty successful. That's interesting because it's not about we want to have X number of wins. It's not about necessarily making the second round of the playoffs. You don't have those types of goals? <laughs> oh, I always got those goals. Sure. <laughs> I think those those goals will happen, will happen if we do the first group. Excellent. I love that. Willie, I really appreciate your time. Uh, great to have you back in the Western Hockey League, and uh, I hope we'll uh, have a chance to chat when you come through Edmonton. That'd be perfect. Thanks a lot. Great to talk with Willie Desjardins once again, and uh, it's good for the league to have him back. Don't know how long he'll be back for. I kind of get the impression, you know, much like Manny Viveros, the NHL, if it, if it comes calling, they'll, uh, they'll head back. But until then, the league is uh, better off uh, having a guy like Willie Desjardins in it. So uh, really interested to see how he and the Tigers fare with his return this season. It looks like a really good team on paper. And I think a lot of people would expect this uh, club to be in the mix with Edmonton and Calgary as the uh, top team in the Central Division. Certainly if Mad Sogard continues where he left off in the playoffs with the uh, Tigers. Having watched that series obviously firsthand because it was the Oil Kings and the, the Tigers in that first round. He was uh, fantastic in uh, three of those five games. Again, lots of firepower up front. I would suggest their blue line is without a marquee type of name on it, but uh, that doesn't mean they can't get the job done. I said the same about Prince Albert last year, and and it worked out pretty well for that club. Hey, speaking of the Prince Albert Raiders, that is the last team you're going to hear from. The last preview that we get to do is with the defending champs. The, The general manager is Curtis Hunt 
who we just had on the show right before the Memorial Cup last year. We get to do it all over again. How much different is this year's version of the Raiders compared to the team that won the WHL championship last year? Spoiler alert, it's a lot different. But how big of a step back should we expect from Prince Albert this year? We'll find out. We talk to Curtis Hunt next here on the Pipeline Show. Dreisaitl pushes it past Honka. Toadrag and he scores, completing the hat-trick. Holy Hallowood a night for the Deutschland Angler. Hey, I'm Leon Dreisaitl. I'm playing for the Prince Albert Raiders, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Spruce Grove Saints AJHL Hockey is back. The 2019-2020 home opener is next Friday, September 13th at the Grant Fear Arena. There'll be a tailgate barbecue beforehand from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m., which includes face painting, child activities, and a chance to meet some Saints players. The Saints are accepting donations of school supplies and cash. Bring yourself inside the rink for 6.45 when the Saints will unveil their 2018-2019 North Division banner. And then stick around for 7 o'clock puck drop when the Saints will host the Drayton Valley Thunder. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Who's scruffy looking? One final team to get to in our team-by-team WHL preview series. And uh, it is the defending champion, the Prince Albert Raiders. That means General Manager Curtis Hunt back on the Pipeline Show. And uh, Curtis, uh, last time I chatted with you, you were just about to head off to the uh, Memorial Cup, uh, so uh, how was the uh, the summer? A little shorter than uh, than you might expect. Best short, sweet summer. <laughs> that's the I right would way. Say that. Yeah, that's the right way to look at it. And uh, if you say if you say the best for last, and and you're predicting, I appreciate you predicting us uh, to defend. But it is our mandate to try to defend this thing. Although we know the task is uh, long and tough ahead of us well we'll get to that uh, but it's funny the way it worked out i didn't ex- didn't plan to have the defending champs as the last team but boy it's it's kind of poetic that it uh, that it worked out that way uh let's get to know the team that you have this year but to do that we'll uh, cross off three names who aren't back from last year's team specifically the overage guys that would be sean montgomery noah gregor and dante hanoon uh big pieces of your team from last year and i believe with the team that won the, the uh, WHL championship, you had nine, nine 1999 born players as well. So lots of uh, eligible players to come back. But how many of those guys are still with the team right now and in the mix to be your overage guys this year? Okay, well, I guess I'll start with Monty. Uh, Sean Montgomery was a five-year Raider, and uh, we really thought we were able to get him a chance, you know, at an NHL camp, if nothing else, just to share with your grandkids one day. <laughs> Because it is pretty special to get that opportunity. But Sean's gone to university at uh, at Western in London. Um, and I think he's joined an ex teammate there as well from uh, from years past, an ex Raider. Uh, the other two, Noah Gregor, um, obviously back to San Jose and his camp, and then uh, the uh, the final overage was Dante Hanoon, who. Uh, was able to go to Boston for camp, and we haven't had an update from him since, uh, but uh, we expect he'll be creating dynamic offense like he did for us and certainly Victoria before we were able to acquire him. 
Uh, we have actually three 20s or four 20s that uh, actually came for camp uh, here. Uh, Sergey Sapego had signed with Toronto, so he's gone to the American League. We won't see him. Uh, Parker Kelly uh, signed with Ottawa, so we don't expect to see him at all. And then uh, second-round pick uh, Brett Leeson to the Washington Capitals signed this summer, and we don't expect to see Brett back either, although uh, if they so decide, we would certainly welcome those guys with open arms. So currently in camp, uh, uh, we have uh, Max Martin just returned from Boston, so a familiar face for us and have some veteran leadership, and then uh, the other overage defenseman currently in camp is uh, Jeremy Masella, and uh, Jeremy's been here the whole time. and we're waiting on good news from uh, Hayes and Pahal, but uh, you know what? If they get to stay, then I think we've done our job, and that's the whole idea is to keep moving kids up the ladder. So Exactly. Yeah, a lot of holes to fill. Uh, and the other uh, 99 who's not back this year, a pretty important piece as well, Ian Scott. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the goalie. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Can't forget yeah. him. Yeah, he only took every piece of hardware available uh, last year yeah. um, in his name and ours. But, uh, yeah, Ian Scott, another Toronto Maple Leaf prospect. And, uh, we haven't had much feedback. We don't like to bug the kids because sometimes they get thinking we know more than they do, and then they get overthinking, oh, man, <laughs> is, is my NHL club talking to my junior club? Uh, we'll kind of let the dust settle and and then reach out sometime in October and, and wish them well at that point in time. All right, uh, and now let's go with the import situation for your, your club this year. Alexi Protus back? Yeah, Alexi's back. Uh, another guy selected in this year's NHL draft, uh, another Washington Capitol. So a couple big bookends with uh, him and Leeson, both six four or six five guys. Uh, but we're really looking. Alexi really, I thought, had a great year, obviously, with the draft. But uh, he just got better all the time. And we're looking for uh, young Ivan Ketchkin out of Moscow, Russia. Um, you know, when you pick 60th, uh, sometimes you're a little concerned, but uh, Ivan's just been a great surprise. He's got tremendous speed and, and puck skills. And like all young players moving to a new country or y- all young people, you know, there's going to be a, a time to adapt to food and culture and time zone and language and and, you know, all the routines that we do here in North America, that's just a little bit different uh, than how he grew up playing hockey. So, you know, we're going to be patient with him, but we think he's going to be a really dynamic uh, junior player and maybe an opportunity at the le- next level some point in time. How much did you know about him before uh, before you drafted him? Uh, interesting enough, he uh, he played for... I, I coached a kid by the name of Dennis Tolpeco. Uh, Dennis played a little bit in Philadelphia, I coached him in Regina when I was coaching the Pats, and uh, Dennis's dad was coaching him, so we had a kind of a connection there. I never got to see him play, uh, but you know, there's a certain amount of this is done by trust and opinion, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know that was kind of our in there through through Dennis. So it was great to reconnect with an ex-player, and uh, a very nice surprise when uh, Ivan got off the plane and uh, was actually a six-one guy and not five. Five, as it said on our RinkNet program. So. Oh, wow. So you didn't know until he actually got off the plane that he wasn't five, five or five, six? Well, we, we knew he was bigger than that, but some, you know, sometimes the stats and it gets in your head a little bit because it's printed. Right. You know, instead of, uh, you know, wait until we saw the whites of his eyes. But, uh, yeah, kind of a funny story there. So yeah. we had a good laugh about that when he arrived in Saskatoon. Now he's from uh, Moscow. Uh, Alexi is uh, from Belarus. Is there 
a bit of a language crossover, though? Can they communicate? You know what? Both players, uh, Alexi spent some time in the U.S. Uh, two years before we, we drafted him. I also played at the Max Tournament. Uh, so he'd been to North America before we drafted him. And his English was very good. Okay. Uh, and then with Ivan, he's already graduated high school at 17, and his English is very good. And we uh, we work with the school, and those kids, um, uh, they will go over and they will speak uh, as kind of a, you know, it's a little bit of a mentorship program, I guess, and they'll go over and they'll speak with some of the uh, the kids that have uh, imported to Canada and they're learning the English language. And uh, so it's a, it's a nice little relationship for those kids and, of course, uh, we we want them to speak in English as much as possible. And usually, the the kicker when we know they've got it is when they start texting their teammates. Now they're writing English, and that's always positive. Nice. Well, it's great that uh, language isn't a, a hindrance or a barrier that you have to uh, overcome with with your imports. So that's great. Um, all right, let's go to the goaltenders that you have left in with the with the team and uh, Boston below us. Uh, is joined by uh, Brett. Is it pronounced Ballas? Yeah, Brett Ballas. Okay. So big shoes to fill for both of those guys, and do you foresee it being a, a platoon situation, or do you expect one to emerge as your bona fide starter? Well, actually, we've got a third here, Carter Serienko, who played uh, midget in uh, in the Battlefords last year okay. in the Saskatchewan Midget AAA League, and he's come in and had a tremendous camp, and so we're going to sit with three for a while and, uh, you know, just let those cards unfold. Eh? You know, I think in terms of development, even Ian Scott uh, at 17 and 18, uh, he had he had his struggles in terms of learning the position and becoming an everyday goalie and, and understanding, you know, the work and the commitment. Um, so, yeah, obviously when you lose uh, a player of that quality, um, there's going to be some nights where you, you're scratching your head a little bit. That being said, we have a ton of confidence in, in the group as a whole, and... Uh, and uh, we we would obviously love one to emerge as a top guy, but certainly at this point in time, uh, Boston is the is the lead dog, and as uh, you know, more or less we project him, uh, you know, moving forward to be that starter. But uh, you know, we're we're not panicked about the the position considering the player we lost. We're very comfortable with uh, the guys in place. All right, and uh, back on your blue line, uh, still a number of players who have that experience of, of winning the championship last year, and then you have some young guys knocking on the door to, to uh, get on the roster and, and uh, some really uh, certainly one talented defenseman who was draft eligible this year for the NHL draft and Caden Gooley. Last year when we chatted right before the Memorial Cup, I, des- I described your team as, or the blue line group, as sort of without that marquee name that people who are outside of the WHL uh, um, circuit would recognize, you know, people from Ontario or their states, they're not going to pick up some of the names uh, that were on your blue line, but they certainly got the job done. Is it more of the same, do you feel, this year? I believe so. I, I think you mentioned that Caden Gooley is uh, probably the marquee name back there. Mm-hmm. That being said, four of the five 19-year-old players did get opportunities at NHL camps, two are still there, uh, Hall and Hayes. But we were a group, I thought we did things by committee, Um I, I thought, our, and that was maybe our entire team, uh, but especially on the back end, a uh, very complimentary group of guys in terms of how the coaching staff used them, uh, intermixed them. Um, this year, probably more of the same. Uh, obviously, we've got to make decisions with overage players, uh, with four of them that we believe could possibly all come back. 
Uh, so that decision will have to come at some point. But Caden Gooley is a guy we know can step in the top four right away uh, and contribute. Um, we signed a 17-year-old player in uh, in Landon Kozier. Landon was the MVP of the uh, the regional TELUS Cup tournament uh, hosted by the Tisdale Trojans last year, and uh, he's a real nice player. We think he's going to be able to step in by Christmas, uh, you know, compete for a top four spot as well. Um, and then our number three overall pick from last year is Nolan Allen. Um, and Nolan is, uh, I think he's another one of those, he, him and actually Caden Gooley look a lot alike, uh, both in size and stature and, and poise and their ability to move pucks. So we feel very confident about our group, uh, probably a little better age spread. It's not always ideal having five 19-year-olds like we did last year, but uh you know, those. it is an older league, and certainly that maturity helped our club as a whole, and uh, we're hoping the lessons learned from our younger players uh, can keep that group, uh, you know, as tight and as efficient as we've seen in the past. And up uh, up front, again, now this is where you have, as you described, the most holes that you have to fill, and you do that largely from within, uh, but you have some new players coming to, you, to the organization as, as well, and, and young guys, again, trying to, to crack the lineup. Uh, who becomes your sort of your uh, leadership group up front that you're expecting to lean on when it comes to production. Yeah, that's the biggest hole. Like when you t- we talked about those overages, all three of those guys were centermen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we really had a balanced three-line attack last year. So um, we're going to give, uh, we talked about Alex Protus. You know, he'll get a real good look I- in the middle this year. Um, we signed a, we had a listed player that uh, was committed to Connecticut has chosen to return to the Western Hockey League to maybe improve his development in Ilya Usov. Or Usov. Ilya will play, uh, he's a centerman, and uh, the, the third guy is an 18-year-old we signed out of Saskatoon, uh, Cole Nagy. Mm-hmm. Cole's a big six foot four guy. Uh, he led the Saskatoon Blazers last year in scoring, uh, or was near the top uh, in all offensive categories. He's a big, strong center, and so really, it would be those three guys we're looking to to step in, and then uh, the the second European and Ivan Ketchkin. Uh, so we actually feel we've done pretty good in uh, you know replacing our centers from within. I, I really believe junior hockey. The key is to you know be patient, develop, and and as long as we can always fill from our picks and our drafts uh, and our listed players. Um, I just think that helps the stability of the organization. I, I think when you look at those centers, we we certainly wrap them with, uh, you know, all returning players on the left side, Fonstad, Knockbar, Pearson, on the right side, Weisblatt, Moe, and Brook. And, um, and then we've got some really good young, speedy forwards that should complement that group as well. So uh, exhibition's one thing, but uh, we've seen some really good stuff in exhibition. And, uh, you know, we look forward as we get closer to a team here and guys start to return from their NHL clubs. Uh, you know, we can really, you know, dig into our identity as it will change, you know, obviously somewhat year to year. Is it coincidence that uh, some of the, the players that you have, even the new guys coming in, a lot of them come with size? Or is that by design? Do you want to have a big team? Well, I, I, I look at... You know, I, I think if you're going to pick between two evenly skilled guys and and one is Lindros and the other is Barzell, they're both great hockey players, you might take Lindros um, just because of that size is just another element of uh, the old you can't teach reach. So uh, we look for certain qualities in our players um, and maybe size 
isn't really in the top three, but uh, if we're looking at two similar players, and you know, I think most of us would would go with the bigger, stronger player in in another, you know, when all things are equal elsewhere. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the draft is, you know, players come to you really in the draft. As much as we love guys, um, there's always teams picking ahead. So, or at least that's the way we'd like to stay. Lots of teams picking ahead of us. So. Right. You know, you, you take the best player available at the time, and uh, in some cases, it's uh, a bigger player like like Knockbar or Protus, and sometimes it's a smaller guy like Mo or Herman. Uh, but both Mo and Herman are guys that can absolutely fly and get around the ice with with high speed and skill. So, you know, everybody brings something a little bit different uh, in terms of the makeup of your team uh, to the table, and again, that'll help identify what we are. Uh, in the end, in terms of our identity. There'll be a couple of uh, high-profile Prince Albert Raiders when it comes to the NHL draft uh, once again this year. You mentioned Caden Gooley a little bit ago. Uh, Also is uh, Ozzy Weisblatt. And um, just maybe for for listeners who haven't had a chance to watch those two guys play, uh, they're both high-end talents for sure. They're not the similar players. One, you know, Ozzy's not that big, and Caden has a lot of size to him. Uh, uh, give us a a bit of a scouting report from your perspective on both guys, if you don't mind. Um, no problem. Caden is, I think Caden can play any way you want to play. He's a, he's a big kid, can skate. His skating is just tremendous, his ability to get around the ice. Uh, For anyone who saw him play with the under 18 team, I think he logged 25 minutes a night, um, you know, all into, he was part of their leadership group, but were, were a letter for their club, but, uh, at the Hockey Canada level at a World Championships and you know certainly brings that leadership could have easily been their captain but he can he can run a power play he can walk the line he can distribute the pucks he has a tremendous knack to get pucks through and onto the net um, he can get himself out of trouble with uh, you know with his mind and, and his, his skill set in terms of passing and, and putting pucks into the area as well he can skate himself out of trouble as well I I'm really excited after watching, you know, one, the under 18, but two, seeing him in camp is just how dominant this, this young man can be. And he's certainly got a really bright future about him. Uh, Ozzy is, uh, he's more flash and dash. He's very, very quick. Um, he's an above average skater, but his hands and hockey sense are absolutely elite. Uh, his ability to make plays in traffic and his escape ability, um, the ability to track back and, and, and have takeaways. And then on top of that, he provides a little grit element to him that, uh, yeah. you know, if you're going to try to run Ozzy over, you better be prepared because he's, he's solid and he's ready and he, he's not afraid to lay the body as well. And, you know, the guy you missed was with us last year was uh, young Brooke. Um, Jacob, right. Uh, yeah, like Jacob had a tremendous uh, camp uh, for the under-18 Unfortunately, he's set back with a with a with an injury, but uh, he's a he's a big, long body can get in up and in on the forecheck in a big hurry. Uh, just another tremendous skater, and uh, you know as his game starts to really you know come together, uh, you know he's going to be a guy that uh, is going to turn a lot of heads uh, as the year progresses as well. Curtis, what do you foresee to be the uh, the biggest hurdle for your team this year? Uh I think I think it's like anything getting our you know when you lose those older players they those guys 
do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of leadership and um, uh, just off just the, the room and managing the room and managing each other. Like what, what our group really did a great job, I thought, was our ability to communicate internally and make people accountable intern- internally. And, uh, you know, that started with Braden Pahal, our captain, who we're hoping comes back. And uh, his partner was was uh, Zach Hayes, uh, another captain. And, you know, with those guys coming back, I think that next generation of players that take a step, they've got to find that place in the room uh, without those players from last year and and those guys have to step up and I think that takes a little bit of time I've always believed we're a humble group I think our coaches do a tremendous job having our guys uh, one be proud of what we are and what we've accomplished but at the same time uh, remaining humble uh, honest and hardworking and uh, I would expect that to continue uh, as the season progresses. Almost sounds like it's uh, waiting to see what sort of identity this year's team will sort of uh, establish for themselves. Is that fair? Yeah, I think we, we know who we are. I think it's just a matter of who's going to who's gonna step up and, and really take this team. Uh, you know, when guys like Parker Kelly leave was, was a great vocal leader, but then a guy that could get on the ice and uh, and really tow the puck, tow the team and, and Noah Gregor too. Like Noah Gregor to me was the best player in the league in in the second half through the playoffs, and uh, you know for our club through the Memorial Cup. And you know it's 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 that that mentality in the room, and someone's got to grab it. And uh, you know so that that'll take a little bit of time. But like I said, we're confident in our group, and you know we understand there's a target on us, and yep. uh, and uh, we're excited about that challenge as well. Well, perfect segue because that's where I was going to end with was you have that target on your back now as the defending champs. And at the start uh, of our conversation, you, you said it's uh, it's really hard to, to repeat, but that's the objective this year. What would you consider to be a successful season for the Raiders? Well, we have two mandates here. I shouldn't share this, but I will. You know, one is uh, the first thing is oh, maybe three, I guess. One has become a band of brothers uh, within our room. Never mind structure, never mind system, never mind ice. Let's let's learn about each other, get to know each other, and understand and respect each other. Two is uh, is take that on the ice, and uh, you know be a team that plays like a team every night for 60 minutes. Um, and again, that same respect and, and camaraderie and uh, that we have off the ice. And then the third is get in the postseason because once you're in, anything can happen. Well said. Well, Curtis, I uh, really appreciate your time once again. Thank you for uh, uh, giving us time before the Memorial Cup as well, and um, really looking forward to, to seeing the Raiders when they come through Edmonton. Excited to get there as well. Have yourself a great day. There you have it, the Prince Albert Raiders defending champs. Can they do it? Can they come back and defend that title once again? You heard him, him say, uh, Curtis Hunt there, lofty gold. It's uh, really, really hard to defend. Hasn't happened since uh, the mid '90s when Kamloops won uh, two in a row. We've seen teams get close. Portland uh, went to four straight WHL finals, but they only won it once. Edmonton went to three straight, won it twice, but not two consecutively. So pretty, pretty hard to do. But uh, the the Raiders and listen, I the question of the week this week is to predict the finish of the WHL's Eastern Division. I had a couple of people say Prince Albert's not going to make the playoffs. I don't see that at all. I think this is a team that uh, I, I do have a concern in net because Boston Beloas is their starter right now and hasn't done it. 
to this point. He's been uh, back up uh, through his years in Edmonton and last year in Prince Albert. Not to say he can't do it, but he hasn't done it yet. So that is the one question mark that I have. Outside of that, there's lots to like about this Raiders team still. And yeah, they lose a lot of guys from last year, but I think they promote well from within and the new guys that they brought in. I, I like the way this Raiders team looks. Maybe it was just a great sell job by Curtis Hunt, but uh, he's won me over. So that was the final team. All 21 teams of the WHL have been previewed thanks to the guys and gals who are the media contacts who have uh, taken the time to set up those interviews. It was great to get all 21 teams. Oh, wait a minute. There's 22 teams. That's right. One team confirmed an interview. I had the head coach lined up, and uh, the day and a half before the interview was scheduled, that got pulled this week. And uh, I asked for uh, the GM because every other team has given me a GM except for a couple. Um, so it was a better fit anyway. Uh, and I was told that that GM not available uh, this week. So neither the coach or the GM had 20 minutes to spare uh, from Monday to Thursday of this week, even though the team didn't play at all. And uh, so they weren't on the road or anything, uh, but could not find 20 minutes in their schedule. So unfortunately, for the third consecutive year, no preview for the ice. And uh, listen, when they were in Kootenai, uh, we couldn't get them on. And I really hoped and thought that with the uh, move to Winnipeg, that things would be different. A whole new fan base uh, to uh, put your name out and, and promote your team to. Uh, they've got a, a really small rink that they're going to be playing in for a couple of years. I am assuming it's completely sold out and they don't need any promotion. But unfortunately, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And uh, we will not have anyone from the the Winnipeg Ice to come on and a preview this coming season for that club. However, I think a, a WHL preview series without one team is um, incomplete. So when we come back, I'll do my best to uh, play the role of Winnipeg Ice representative. And uh, I'll tell you what I know about the Winnipeg Ice and get you set up for this coming season. That's next here on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Now near side white. Far side, Krebs, wrist shot, scores! Peyton Krebs, a wrist shot from the far side and gets by Bailey Birkin. Hey, it's Peyton Krebs from the Kootenai Ice, and this is the Pipeline Show. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris wow, and Duncan Keith and future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. That's badass. It is badass. Really That's cool. Badass. Yeah. Last segment to go on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show, and uh, I just I felt really guilty, kind of, that uh, the Winnipeg Ice were not going to be represented in uh, once again in this year's um, WHL team previews uh, leading up to the start of the regular season. It's it's the third year in a row now that the Ice organization has. Um, uh, declined to come on the show and uh, promote their team. 
uh, leading up and into the season. I, I'm actually quite surprised by that, especially this year, uh, moving to a different uh, city uh, where there's lots of competition uh, for the uh, fan base. Uh, but to each their own. Uh, they don't see value in coming on the show. That's fine. That is their right. Uh, and it is my right to uh, say whatever I want about that. So um, I think it's uh, unfortunate, uh, put it that way. Uh, I would have loved, in fact, I had a confirmation date and time with the head coach, James Patrick. I originally had asked all the teams in the league for the general manager uh, to uh, do these previews with. And uh, just about every team did give me the general manager. Um, Manny Viverosa did it for Spokane, which is fine because I uh, wanted to talk to him anyway uh, because of that uh, the whole uh, offseason that he's had. And outside of that, I'm trying to remember if there was another team that gave me only the coach and not the GM. Of course, obviously, a lot of teams, the coach and GM are the same guy. Uh, anyway, but so when Winnipeg uh, told me, first they'd confirmed that, uh, yes, James Patrick is available and he's going to do it on uh, this date, which would have been uh, this past Tuesday. Uh, I was fine with that because, quite frankly, they had uh, declined to come on the show the last couple of years. Um, so getting anybody would be uh, better than that, better, obviously, than nothing. So so then when I was told that uh, James Patrick wouldn't actually be coming on the show, I said, that's okay. Uh, everybody else is giving me the GM, so uh, Matt Cockle would be uh, a, a better fit anyway, although James Patrick, really good interview, did manage to get him on the show uh, in his rookie season. But then I was uh, given a reply that just said Matt Cockle is not available either. So, unfortunate, but we move on. I would have loved to have asked most of my questions to those gentlemen because they're in a position to answer them, uh, whereas I'm not. But for you, the fan who wants to know about this team, I will do my best. We always start by listing the players from the previous season who are not back with the team this year. For the Kootenai Ice, the 98 Borns off last year's roster, uh, Jagger White up front, pair of defensemen in Dallas Hines and Martin Bodak, and at one point uh, Curtis Meager was uh, playing as well. Uh, obviously, obviously, all four of those guys are not back. Uh, let's go to this year's team and... The Ice have four overage players still in camp. And again, this is going by the WHL's website. Um, so if there's been changes, obviously a coach or a GM for a team would have been able to give me the heads up on that. Um, but uh, I can only go with what I've got in front of me. So Reese Harsh and uh, Chase Harchie on the back end. Harsh is uh, big, six foot four, and Harchie uh, not that big. But they will be they will form the the, the leaders in the on the back end. Marco Creta as well is a, a veteran player in the league, so they do have some experience back there. And of course, they're going to be breaking in uh, some young players. Uh, Carson Lambos, uh, second overall pick in 2018, and boy, the 2018 draft class in in the WHL uh, really looking solid. There's going to be some interesting uh, rookies making their full time debut this season across the league. But Carson Lambos comes in, listed at 6'1", 200 pounds, and a Winnipeg product. And so that's a great fit for the Ice, who are trying to win some fans. Other young players who are trying to make their way onto the roster, and I can't tell you anything about them, but a GM or a head coach could. Mike Ladyman, Benjamin Zlotty, Anson McMaster, Carter Prosofsky, still listed on the WHL's website as being with the team still. Those guys are all on the blue line. I skipped the goaltenders, and this is an interesting spot right now for Kootenay, for Kootenay, for Winnipeg. That's a dollar. The ice right now, uh, they're banged up in net. They have uh, two guys with a little WHL experience, Duncan McGovern and Jesse Mackay. Uh, both have not had any success 
in the WHL in their limited appearances. McGovern has played all of 66 games over the course of three seasons, and his numbers are terrible. 385 goals against average and an 878 save percentage. As a 19-year-old, you're hoping that he's able to take a significant step this year. Wouldn't be the first guy to do that, so I'm not going to say that he can't do it, but to this point in his career, he has not done it. He's formerly a fifth-round pick of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, and uh, Jesse McKay, also no success uh, as of yet. Again, very limited experience, only 40 games uh, coming into this season, and his numbers even worse than McGovern's. 434 goals against average and an 879 save percentage. Now, keeping in mind they where they've been playing, uh, the Kootenai Ice have been... Uh, not very good uh, the last couple of years, the last few years, as a matter of fact. Um, so not all on their shoulders. A lot of that is uh, the team in front of them, but uh, the goaltender is not really helping the club that much either. Now, Mackay, a second-round pick of the Winnipeg Ice, then Kootenai, back in 2016. So And he's got the size. He's got the prototypical goalie size at 6'3 and 209 pounds. Um, so you hope that he can uh, find some game this year, especially if you're a fan of the ice. There's three other goaltenders with the team right now, at least, again, according to the WHO website. A GM or a coach would be able to uh, update us on that more effectively. Uh, Gage Alexander, Will Gursky, and Daniel Hauser. Hauser, who is a 2019 draft pick, obviously can't play with the team this year. Well, I guess that's an asterisk next to it uh, when you're talking about the Winnipeg ice. We'll get to that, I'm sure. Uh, but Will Gursky, uh, a fourth-rounder from 2017, and uh, Gage, a seventh-rounder from 2017. So the, both of those guys are old enough to contribute this year. Gage Alexander is a giant. I mean, he's Mad Sogard size at 6'7 uh, and 200-and-some uh, pounds. So be interesting to see what uh, what he looks like and if he gets some game action and what kind of uh, camp and preseason uh, they've had. Again, coach or GM would be a, a big assistance in determining that. Let's look up front. And uh, the Ice acquired Isaac Johnson in the offseason. He had played with Tri-City the last couple of years after coming up from the USHL. Big body, six foot three, 180-ish pounds. I think it's fair to say he's kind of underachieved or at least not lived up to expectations uh, during uh, his WHL tenure. I saw him back a couple of years ago when he was playing with uh, the United States at the World Junior A Challenge in Bonneville that year. I guess that would be three and a half years ago. Uh, but over his uh, career so far with Tri-City, through 99 games, he has 80 points. He had uh, 48 points in his rookie season. Last year, 32 points in just 31 games. So uh, very limited action for him last year. So he's going to be looking to have a bounce back year. And listen, a point-per-game guy, that would obviously uh, help the ice uh, win some games. Another 20-year-old in camp is Davis Murray. And uh, you know, with, with Johnson and the two guys on the back end, Harsh and Harchie, I think Davis Murray might be in a, a bit of a tough spot. He might be the odd man out. Tough for me to say with any authority. I, I know him from his time with the Edmonton Oil Kings, and he was a depth player with the Oil Kings, but that's a couple of years ago now. But when you go out and acquire uh, Isaac Johnson and uh, you've got uh, two veterans on the back end, uh, I don't see, personally, I don't see a spot for Davis Murray. But again, GM or coach would probably have better insight uh, than I do. The rest of the forwards, well, big question mark with Peyton Krebs. How long is he going to be out after uh, his Achilles issue uh, suffered in the offseason? A real big fan of Krebs. He is such a talented player and uh, just a really good interview. I did manage to get him on the show uh, last year. 
which was uh, terrific, although yeah, I won't get into that. But I- I'm still shocked that he was available for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, picking 17th at the NHL draft this past June. But uh, Kelly McCrimmon uh, snapping him up, and I think that was an excellent uh, selection. Uh, quite frankly, I, I would have had him in the top 10, tw- top 12. So to get him at 17, I think, is great. And hopefully he doesn't miss too much time either because he'd be a shoe-in, obviously, for Canada at the World Junior Championship. He's got lots of international experience uh, for Canada because, obviously, Kootenay's terrible. Uh, so uh, was at the U18. And he was a standout at the top prospect game last year, too. So uh, I would like to see uh, Peyton Krebs playing as much as possible this year, and I think it could be a huge year uh, for Krebs once he's back and just hopefully the the injury uh, doesn't uh, derail his development uh, significantly and that he can get back on track. Looking forward to seeing Peyton Krebs back in action. Two new import players uh, for the ICE organization, Nino Kinder from Germany and Michael Tepley from uh, the Czech Republic, who's a Chicago Blackhawks draftee. He was a fourth-round pick of the Blackhawks. And they're both 2001-born players, so they're coming in not... 17 years old, which is probably a good thing for the ice. They ha- they are breaking in some young players, so you'll need some more experience back there. Tepley was playing professionally last year uh, as a 17-year-old uh, in his homeland in the Czech Republic. Uh, not a lot of production, but typically uh, young players like that really have a hard time getting ice time uh, in that league. So his 10 points in 23 games is actually probably pretty good. Nino Kinder was uh, playing junior hockey last year in Germany and had 41 points in 33 games against uh, players his age in the, the U20 league there. So that's, that's a good uh, performance by him. And he, he played in the world U18s at the end of the year, Division One, the Division One a U18s. They were looking to get promoted. Uh, but he had nine points in five games in the tournament uh, for Germany in that event. So a good showing there for Kinder. So Looks like a promising player, and he's not small. He's listed at six foot and 180 pounds. Oh, and I forgot to mention with Tepley, he's 6'3 and 190 pounds, so he's got pro size already. So I am intrigued, definitely, by the two import players. I'd love to ask the GM or the head coach how they've looked in, in camp so far and what kind of expectations uh, fans uh, of the ice should have for those uh, types of players. Do you have to temper expectations at all? Because they're just they're rookies in the WHL. They've got lots of experience but not over here. So I wonder if you have to, to temper expectations a little bit. Uh, and again, uh, obviously would love to have a GM or a head coach to ask. Connor McLennan going into his NHL draft season, a small player, 5'8", 155, 160 pounds, but lots of skill, lots of talent. And after a, an injury-shortened season, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back this year. Second overall pick in the 2017 WHL Bantam Draft. Had 14 goals and 29 points last year in just 46 games. So even though he played even though he played a little more than uh, half a season, uh, lots of opportunity, obviously, with a very thin lineup uh, for the ice. And he was productive. Uh, real good duo there between he and Krebs. Should be a top 75 player, I would think, for the uh, NHL Draft this coming June. And with a strong season, maybe he uh, ranks even higher than that. He did come off the Holinka Gretzky Cup this past summer. Just had two points in the five games, but got pretty good reviews from uh, Ross McLean, scout Ross McLean, when I had him in the, on the show this past August. So definitely Connor McLennan, one to watch for when it comes to the 
Winnipeg Ice. And, of course, all eyes are going to be on Matthew Savoy. And this is a great story and one I really wish I could talk to the GM or the head coach about because it's really precedent-setting in the, uh, the, the WHL, at least in my opinion. And moving forward, how much all the surrounding story is it could be could alter the league, how it could affect the league moving forward in what I think is positive ways. Uh, here you have a guy who applied for exceptional status to Hockey Canada, was denied. That wasn't really public. Everybody was just kind of wondering what was happening. Uh, but he didn't get the exceptional status from Hockey Canada, and that is a Hockey Canada decision, not the WHL. Uh, but so then the uh, my understanding is the ICE and the Savoy family and the WHL kind of all got together and negotiated what would be appropriate for a player of uh, Savoy's age and talent. And it sounds like he could play uh, somewhere between 30 and 50 games this year, which uh, obviously would be terrific for him. It would be great for the ICE and for the ICE fans. And I think overall it's good for the WHL as well. My only concern is... And not specifically with Savoy, but moving forward, are we going to see more 15-year-olds breaking into the league and getting this sort of uh, having this sort of exception being made, or is this an exceptional case with Matthew Savoy because of his talent level? Much like Austin Matthews going to Switzerland during his NHL draft year, it hasn't happened since then. It I don't recall it happening before then. That was an exceptional situation. Uh, that's not maybe groundbreaking and become. It's not like he was a pioneer, and now that uh, that example is being followed every year. That that hasn't happened uh, since Austin Matthews did it, and I'm wondering if this with Matthew Savoy is similar in the sense that it's not going to happen every year. It opens the door for it to happen, but maybe because Savoy is just this uber talent, uh, maybe it's a, a pretty rare case. Don't know. I guess only time will tell. Uh, and I do wonder if there was talk from other GMs uh, about it with the ice. And again, we we could ask the GM uh, or the head coach of the uh, the Winnipeg Ice that question, but uh, we can't, unfortunately. I did have Ron Robison, the commissioner of the WHL, uh, on the show in the summer to preview the, the coming season. And we did talk about Matthew Savoy. Uh, at that time, he said, I don't know where you're getting the numbers of uh, that he could play between 30 and 50 games. But... That's what's being reported now. So we'll see. Uh, as for Savoy, I mean, obviously everybody is intrigued to see how he's going to look this year, and uh, and I hope he does get to play a ton. Other players to watch for on the Winnipeg Ice this year? Well, how about the second overall pick in this past uh, Bantam draft in, in Connor Geeky? Now, I haven't heard if they're making much exception for him, but he's listed at 6'3 and 170 pounds, so he's already got lots of size. That's not going to be much of a concern. And he's a Manitoba guy. I don't know if he's playing at the Rink Academy in Winnipeg or not, but obviously he's going to be close and handy anytime that uh, the Ice need uh, another uh, body. So I totally expect he'll play more than the uh, the normal five games that a 15-year-old is allowed to play before his club team is done. So there's definitely some talent uh, with this uh, Winnipeg Ice squad and should be a fun team to watch. And that'll be a nice change because the Ice have really struggled over the last three or four years. So, uh, coach or GM, your expectations this year for your club, what you would consider a successful season? Oh, right. We don't have one. Uh, let's. I would have to think that uh, making the playoffs obviously would be the, the, the uh, bare minimum of expectation for the ice this year. You look around the rest of the division, I, I, I think they are definitely better than Moose Jaw and, uh, and Regina. 
Uh, so uh, I think they'll be in the mix. I don't know if I would say, suggest they're the favorite in the division, uh, but I would think that they're uh, they're closing in on teams like uh, like Prince Albert and Brandon and and Saskatoon for that matter. I think those three teams will, in my estimation, probably finish ahead of Winnipeg. But if things go right, if they get some goaltending, uh, that might be the biggest question mark right now uh, for me is uh, with Winnipeg in net. Right now, I mean, the last I heard, McGovern and Mackay both hurt. They might be looking for a goaltender, and even if those two guys are back, they could probably upgrade that position significantly in, in my mind. Uh, I'm just looking at teams like Kelowna and, and Vancouver and potentially Edmonton that uh, probably have a goaltender that they could move. Uh, I think uh, if Winnipeg was smart, they would be looking to upgrade in net. Okay, and that's going to do it. That's my uh, Winnipeg ice season preview as much as I could do. I can tell you moving forward, I won't be going to the ice for uh, content. I'll be asking Mike Sawatsky, who writes for the Winnipeg Free Press. He's covering uh, the Winnipeg ice, and uh, I I recommend you check out some of the work he's already doing uh, covering the team and doing a great job in the process. That is going to conclude this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. And uh, going back over the last five weeks, I really want to thank all the uh, media contacts for each uh, WHL team the 21 teams that uh, felt it was beneficial to uh, come on the show and to uh, promote their teams uh, for their fan base. Uh, those guys and girls do a tremendous job setting up interviews, and it was a lot of it was during August to set the dates up, and it was hard sometimes uh, to make contact with the GM uh, because they were on vacation, and then camps got started, and things were busy. So I really appreciate the extra effort uh, that those 21 teams made uh, to come on the show and book those GMs. Obviously, I want to thank all the GMs who came on the show. Kurt Hill from the Oil Kings, Jeff Chinoth from the Hitman, Gary Davidson of the Everett Silvertips, Red Deer's Brent Sutter, Cam Hope of Victoria, Manny Viveros of Spokane, Mark Lamb and PG, Dean Brockman of the Swift Current Broncos, Bob Torrey of Tri-City, Bill LaForge of Seattle, Colin Priestner from Saskatoon, Mike Johnston of the Portland Winterhawks, Matt Bardsley of the Kamloops, Alan Miller from Moose Jaw, Bruce Hamilton of the Kelowna Rockets, Lethbridge GM Peter Anholt, Regina's GM, John Paddock. And this week, Darren Ritchie of the Brandon Wheat Kings, Barkley Parnetta from the Vancouver Giants, Willie Desjardins from the Medicine Hat Tigers, and, of course, Curtis Hunt of the Prince Albert Raiders. Thank you all for coming on the show. It was great insight into uh, your respective organizations, and I've got lots of feedback uh, from fans who uh, really enjoyed the last five weeks uh, leading up to the WHL season. Next week on the Pipeline Show, it will be a WHL preview, a league preview, not talking to uh, representatives from teams, doing the same thing I did last year. Uh, Four contributors from Dub Network are going to be on. Here's who you're going to hear from. Uh, We're going to do the East Division with Darnell Duff. The Central Division will be handled by Glenn Erickson. We'll head out west to Ryan Sinclair. And uh, south of the border, Josh Kritzer is going to come on. One segment with each guy. We'll get predictions. We'll uh, talk about each team and kind of how their what their strengths and weaknesses are, and we'll have to move pretty quickly. Uh, and by the end of it, I'm going to give out my predictions as well. Uh, so really looking forward to next week's show. It's one of the most popular shows uh, o- over the course of the uh, the calendar year. So I hope that you'll be back for that one as well. Quick thank you to everybody who signed up to be a patron at Patreon.com/slash/ThePipelineShow. You're uh, Two bucks a month really helps keep the show going and gives you early access to all these interviews. All these interviews that you heard on this week's episode, outside of this final segment, uh, the breakdown of the uh, Winnipeg Ice, 
But the four GMs that you heard on the show, I did those interviews on uh, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, so they've been up and available for patrons for like three days already, at the very least. So uh, early access for two bucks. If you value the content of the Pipeline Show and you want to contribute, uh, I'd really appreciate it moving forward. All right, busy weekend. I am off to Cold Lake uh, to visit my mom. And when I return next week, I've got uh, the uh, WHL preview to put together. And then, boy, things get going for real. The Edmonton Oil Kings, the team that I'm part of the broadcast crew for, they open up their regular season on the 21st in Red Deer. And uh, the second half of that home-at-home on Sunday against the Rebels, that is the opening weekend of the WHL calendar. And I think it's going to be a tremendously fun year in the WHL, especially so many rookies. That 2018 Bantam Draft class, I think, is exceptional. And uh, some really big names who are going to be making their full-time debut this year in the WHL. It's going to make it really interesting. I think coaching in the league has never been better. You see guys like uh, Dave Lowry and Willie Desjardins coming back to the WHL. So much to look forward to. The Memorial Cup back in the WHL this year. It's going to be a fun year, and I am uh, and I hope that you're going to be coming back to the Pipeline Show to be a part of it. Until next week's episode, everybody, get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week on the Pipeline Show. Till then, I'm Keith Flaming. See ya.